Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Tina Robson, actor, writer, stunt woman. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, first of all, how um how does one get involved in stunts? Um. Well, I kind of just rolled into it, to be honest. Um, I well, I have a big background in in sports. I've always done sports since I was like three. I did gymnastics and horse riding and badminton and swimming and um, it, it, anything that I could do. And um, I trained as a dancer. And so I have this sporty background, but then I kind of went into musical theater. And then when I was in London, I lived there for four years. Um, I signed up to an extras agency that they, they also kind of um, they do special action performance. So you have extras and then special action and then stunts. And um, I got a special action role on uh, Justice League, the movie. We did yeah. like a couple yeah, of auditions yeah. and they took us through boot camps. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to get a part in there and be one of the Amazonian warriors of Wonder Woman. And then, yeah, I got the opportunity to ride a horse on set. They kind of just bumped me up because someone had broken her leg. Um, and I kind of got the feel for what stunts is. And I thought that at the time, well, this was a great experience. I probably won't pursue, like, I'm not as good as all these stunt performers because I thought I would, you know, I wasn't, you know, anywhere up to their level. Um, but it just somehow turned out that when I came back to New Zealand and I started training with Dana Grant, her stunt school here, um, yeah, I kind of figured out like, oh, my background skills kind of help. And I can do this. So, um, and that's how I then got the part on Evil Dead. Oh, very, very good. So I actually didn't know until uh, I set this up that Evil Dead, uh, a lot of it was made in uh, New Zealand. It was all shot it was here. All yeah. Fun. All right. Well, this particular one, yeah, Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, right, right. Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. So, um, actually, before so that even comes up, um, I assume you're familiar with Evil Dead. Are you a horror movie fan? Well, I wasn't up until now, really, up until I got involved. Um, uh, the stunt coordinator made me watch one of the previous Evil Deaths so he could kind of, so I can get an idea of what I was getting myself into. And, um, <laughs> I remember watching it a bit like this. Um, but because, you know, you can see, cause I have worked on film sets before, you know, kind of how things work. So, you know, obviously it's not real. And, um, I really looked at the version and I was like, okay, what kind of effects did they use and how did they put the stunts in there and da, 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 da. And then, yeah. And then when I got to work on this film, I mean, I probably had the best, best time. Like it was the best four months. It was so much fun, so much fun. And now, um, having watched it twice, I feel a bit more interested to watch other horror movies and see, oh, interesting. you know, what, what is it that we like so much about feeling really afraid or scared or gored out of our skin? Like you like grossness. 
what is it that we like about it? But I think it's, um, you know, we go to a cinema and we get all these feelings by watching something. And I think that's what we thrill as an audience. We want to feel things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch some more horrors. Well, that's interesting. So uh, you mentioned you're having a good time and it was very cool seeing a lot of the photos you had on your um, on your Instagram of uh, like some of the kids who were so they're they're like all slaughtered, but everyone's smiling and having a good time. <laughs> yeah, because we had kids on set and yeah. um, um, the kids also had doubles and I think the kid actors, they they had a great time. I, I don't think they struggled much with anything. I mean, they could see how 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 amazing the prosthetics were and how real and um there was one time where i had full facial prosthetics on and one of the um the little girls double um she was a little bit you know we kind of have to kind of slowly introduce her into it so you know i was in the makeup truck and we kind of introduced her because i'd been on set with her before and um and she'd come in and I said hey it's me <laughs> you know and i just started talking really casually and said do you want to feel how it feels and you know they're standing there with their big eyes like wow and she slowly got and she kind of relaxed after that so it was there was a bit of an introduction with the children yeah um so you've done stunts before this obviously but had you done a lot of the makeup yourself no i am i am no i'm not that experienced with uh prosthetics makeup like yeah. makeup generally for film shoots or theater makeup um, you know, that's kind of to make you look pretty. <laughs> um, and in this particular way that, yeah, the, the silicon and what they made like this, like I've never experienced that before. Like my makeup chair on a good day was four hours. I was often the first one in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, a lot of coffees and a lot of music. Music kept me really straight because I had to stand pretty much. You know, you come in at 4 a.m. and you have to stand in a truck right. with the heaters on because you're in shorts and T-shirt, you know, because the character wasn't wearing much, just pajamas. And uh, and you're getting fully tattooed and full, you know, makeup sprayed on your legs, on your arms, and then your face. So, um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I just had so much fun seeing my whole body transform into this creature which was yeah. a fascinating experience and I never got enough of it. It was great. My feet were black for about a month, I think, um, <laughs> because I just couldn't wash it all off. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, uh, from, uh, from experience with other uh, guests that it's harder to uh, get the makeup off than it is uh, getting it on. Yes, you know, it's yes, a long time to get it on. Certainly, certainly true. Yeah. Lots of ISO and lots of stuff. Um, but after a while, it's just like, oh, well, I'm having a shower. I am clean. <laughs> My feet are still a bit black and, you know, around the nails or around your fingers or whatever. Still now? Or no. Still now, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I have very limited, uh, but I did do something with uh, fake blood last year, and it took a long time just to get out of my hands. In, oh, really? In my beard. Yeah. What did we you stopped... do? Uh, so I was in a, well, I've, I've, I'm in a, this wasn't the movie, but I was, um, because I was in a couple horror movies last year that are playing festivals right now, I was cool. in a uh, calendar that's out now. Uh, you've got red on you, so I'm, uh, I think I'm Mr. November. And so they, <laughs> they took a picture with all his blood on me. And I didn't realize, uh, so I guess it, so I had all my head and uh, it was a cool, but then I found the worst part is probably in the beard because it, it was very hard to get out of the beard. And then the hands, like they were all red. 
So we stopped at a little diner and I was in the bathroom trying to wash it off. And then I was just like, man, if anyone comes in here, I don't know what they'll think, but yeah, they told me it was uh, LA things. and no one will care. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, yeah. The blood's very, very sticky. Very, very yeah, sticky. Yeah. And she told me I it had... was, oh, go on, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I remember having it here and it just got, when you're like this and you're sitting or whatever, and then you try to kind of stretch, it would just be peeling the layers of skin. It would just be stuck together. Oh, yeah. I think that was probably the most uncomfortable <laughs> little bit that was here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they told me it was flavored, like it was uh, mint flavored, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's uh, don't go around eating it. I, I, I did taste it because it got a metal in my mustache and stuff, but uh, it's not, it wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> so was there a so you said you know you got involved because of your background in uh in stunts so um was there an audition though for evil dead rise um i attended a workshop um which was based around creature work so um yeah i guess it was a kind of an audition work thing um where we worked with a director, stunt coordinator, assistant, and um, we had uh, also there was a couple of people from um, circus background because there's one scene where she so it's we kind of she had the contortionist double as well who did absolutely amazing bodily work. Um, so we, there were a lot. There was a lot of focus around that about the contortionist, and then the creature the, uh, that goes into the chipper. Uh, it's called the Marauder. Um, uh, the two the two people, uh, Laura and Ed, were there as well, and they were, we were testing stuff out in harnesses. And um, yeah, and, and I was just there to, for the stunts, um, but I joined in into doing all the little creature work. We did little weird toes around the corner and crawling on mats. Um, and coming out of a bath, that that bath scene that's in there, that was in the in the workshop, um, to kind of crawl out of it as creepily as possible. Um, and I guess they they uh, were happy and um, figured I was a good double. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> For those movements, um, were they like are they inspired by the other Evil Dead movies or uh, like how do you come up with those movements? Well, we had a uh, creature um, coach, I suppose. We had we had um, Hannah and Ariel, both very creature dancer, circusy background, and Lee, the director. Um, he kind of, I think he was probably the the mind behind it all. He was really specific and detailed with what he wanted to see, so he communicated that really well with us. And yeah, we kind of went from there. What kind of what it what it was like you know, the different crawling, the different dynamics. So sometimes the creature would be really slow, but then it would be really fast. So you get that it comes to life. And I think, and I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a dead eye, right? So, and I think what he, what Lee really wanted is to have the mother, Ellie, to have that real journey, that creature really coming to life in stages so we had prosthetic stages and she had the physical stages so during the rehearsals we worked on stage number one what is she like she's herself stage number two a little bit a little bit of a you know a little bit of a twitch here and there you know it's a little bit of a dead eye in her and then three four and we build it up like this so we had it literally kind of written down 
um, yeah, the levels of, of severity. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, for those movements and things and for the different levels, uh, do you and Alyssa have to do a lot of like work together so you guys can, you know, each have like similar movements? Yeah, we did work together a lot. Um, we, yeah, we were in the space together quite often and it was fun because we didn't really know each other <laughs> and you kind of have to then just do all these really weird things, you know, and, and figure these things out. So it was a fun way to get to know someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a lot of fun and because it was kind of really important because she was going to play the role. So she had to feel really comfortable and had to find her, her, her dead eyed kind of thing. And so I kind of facilitated that, I hope, um, in some ways, um, with the two weeks prior that we had been rehearsing what, what Lee wanted to see. So I had a bit of input in there and then she had hers. So yeah, you know, we had the rehearsal space with all the mirrors and the mats and we would spend hours together working on toe movements um, or, or the way the way she would walk, like she would have completely broken legs out of the elevator, you know, and how would that, how would that translate? Because she still has got, she's still walking miraculously. And how does that feel? You know, how does, how do we make that look real and not, um, you know, too much? It, it had to be kind of real. So yeah, it was really fun to work with her together. And then on set, I'd be, yeah, I'd be kind of really watching her and how her body was moving. So I could copy that to the best of my ability um, to make, you know, to make it really look one character. And I had so much fun doing that. Yeah. yeah. And that, so when you watch the, the, like the first uh, Evil Dead movies, um, the first trilogy and the series are much uh, campier. And then mm -hmm. uh, the remake from like 10 years ago and Rise, well, they both, they, they have dark comedy in, but the, the, the tone isn't as comedic as those. Um, mm -hmm. So before you're on set and everything, did you think maybe I'm going to play this more comedic or uh, so like what kind of direction do they give you just for like the tone of it? We had no idea about, um, well, my, I didn't really had an idea of how comedic it was yeah. <laughs> um, at the time. Um, apart from that, I laughed a lot and, and, and loved what we were doing, but I guess we were really serious about playing yeah. this deep. Well, I do think the best horror eyes. comedies work is both a comedy and a, I think the horror has to work in a horror comedy for it to, to work well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But uh, you, you can't, you can't play comedy. You have to be, right. you know, yeah. you have to play real for it yeah, to be funny. Or else it's very bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess we, yeah, we were just so invested in, in creating what we were creating that we kind of, we, we didn't think about that it had to look funny or whatever like that. Yeah. No, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the, the comedy in it really comes from the, the horror so much as the, uh, just a, mm. probably more as a weirdo like me as my hat says. I, I think it's Lee, the director behind all that. I think his genius mind, um, yeah, he, um, he had it all well thought out, I think. Uh, Thomas Andrews is coming up Facebook user here, but a uh, quick question from your experience from Evil Dead Rise. Would you possibly work on more horror projects? And if so, what would you prefer to work on in the horror genre? Yes, I would love to work on another horror horror. Um, cause I really, I really loved it. Um, I think what I really like about it is the, 
well, I've experienced the creature side of things mm -hmm. and the stunts. Um, I guess, I guess I would like to play a character as well as doing stunts. Um, but what I like about it is, I mean, in any other horror, it's just the, the madness of it. You know, the, the, it's so mad. We don't get to experience that in real life. And I think that's what makes it such a special genre because where else can you dive into a world like that? So yeah, if I, you know, anything, I think I'd love to play any kind of, whether it's a, a you know, a creature horror or a, a person who's going really through horror, you know, it can be really real and realistic horror and go a real, you know, a normal person going through terror. Um, that could be really interesting to play. So like Lily, Lily went through absolute terror, you know, during the thing she's, you know, thought she was going to die anytime soon. So, um, that must all, I mean, she was exhausted, I'm sure, but it was fascinating to watch her work. And I, I love that as well. Yeah. So I saw your short uh, that you're working on, not on your on your Instagram. Now, is that horror related? Because there's some gross looking things in, in not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, it, yes, um, there, there is. Uh, it's only mainly at the end at the moment um, where there is some sort of horror involved, which is the umbilical cord beautifully made by Laura um, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. aesthetics. So, uh, yeah, it, we, yeah, it is kind of a psychological body horror. And, um, I don't know if we planned it like that, but it just kind of turned out like that. That's definitely what it is. Um, it's still in post-production and, and still being finalized and everything, but that came out of a completely random, collaboration actually that film because we had another lockdown and uh, my friend Lydia was like oh should we do something and then her friend uh, who she'd been working with photographing and, and photography and stuff um, we just thought oh let's just shoot some little five minute videos you know I want to act I want to learn producing or play or whatever you just just get together and do stuff and um, that was supposed to be just a five-minute something. It turns out to be a 20-minute short film. Oh. Um, and that kind of came just by talking about life and about, um, I, I mean, I was kind of rambling about experiences in life. And um, it's not really horror-related, but, it, you know, about we are, as people, tied to certain things. And we're tied in relationships or work or a living space or a country or, you know, whatever situation you're in, you can feel really tied up and we have the power ourselves to cut those cords. You know, we, we think somebody else might be holding the tie, but it's us who have the, the ability to cut that. And that's kind of, um, what the story, um, is, is supposed to tell. Interesting. Um, I actually do not have a belly button, which is very good. Luck. You don't have one. I do not. Yeah. There is actually a short film. I'll send you later if you'd like about the loss of my it. belly button. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So um, what are your plans to do with the short film? Uh, like uh, going to go to festivals or? Yep. Yep. Festivals. Yep. I'm still looking at um, the kind of the alternative festivals in Europe because we've had a few previews here and I don't think it's particularly for the New Zealand audience. Um, or maybe some, 
Uh, yeah, Europe. Europe would be a good one um, to have a look at, to go festivals. We'll try and do it here as well, just to see, you know, the weird and wonderful films maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, but yeah, film festivals. Have you had, um, have you played other festivals before with anything you've worked on? Yes, I, I have. Um, a little well, I guess one. Evil Dead Rise did uh, play a festival too, but uh, but like uh, your did, own personal thing. Yeah. 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 Um, not my own work. Um, I worked on this short. I worked on two shorts actually in while I was in the UK and we shot up north. I just can't remember the place, of, uh, the name of the place, um, with students. And that went, it was called, the one of them is called Home and that was all about Brexit. So I played a Dutch woman um, married to an English guy with children and then Brexit was happening and I couldn't stay and it was all very dramatic. Um, that played at festivals. And then there was another one, um, Play Me, I'm Yours, um, who Dean then wrote and that was about a piano, a, a piano player, a lady, and I was like a big orchestra um, leader yeah, or pianist. Uh, something very musical and uh, that went to film festivals and that did really well. I had a supporting role in that. Um, yeah, but that's it. I don't, I haven't done many yet. Yeah, no, uh, I'm a big, that was, uh, the big thing I missed. Uh, obviously people had, had worse problems, but I missed going to the festivals during, uh, the pandemic. Mm. Cause, uh, yeah. not only is it, you know, it's cool to watch stuff and, uh, or if you have a film there, but, um, there's a lot of interaction. Um, I don't know. It's just a good time. It's good to watch uh, stuff that you might not see anywhere else besides a festival. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's why the not will fit right in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, um, you know, especially with short films, because like besides, you know, maybe putting on YouTube or something, um, you know, where, where else does it go after that? You know, uh, yeah, especially to play on the big screen. Mm, true. Yeah, it's a lovely opportunity to see yourself on a big screen. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there was another big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Tooth Fairy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Forgot about that one. Um, yeah, I actually yeah. tried to. I saw that. I'm interested. Tooth Fairy. Uh, one. Yeah. So, uh, do you know if that's available anywhere? No, I don't. Um, there is a clip of that in my show reel. And that was a really fun shoot. And this was when I was training for Justice League. So I was so buff. Um, well, it's good to show yeah. it off then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was real fun. Uh, in a little dungeon in, in, in Brighton, we shot that. Yeah, I'll, I can check and, and see if, um, if I can find a copy of it. Yeah, and for people not, uh, not familiar, what is, uh, what is the Tooth Fairy about? The Tooth Fairy? Um, it's, uh, it's kind of a, an underground scene where um, two girls are kind of yeah, I'm kind of the dealer of teeth. <laughs> uh, it's not a tooth fairy as your little children would, would tell about. Um, she's gothic. And um, yeah, it's, um, it's a fantasy. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's such, I think it did really well, actually. Um, yeah, you you have to watch it. It's it's lovely. I'm not going to say too much about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's hard to talk about a short without uh without spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll check this out. If 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 it's out there. For and the actresses who in there were really really good. They're mm -hmm. both. I think they both went on to do really big things, yeah. So, uh what um what made you want to uh, pursue acting? 
Okay. <laughs> um, well, I, I kind of had no choice. <laughs> well, I did, but um, my child, my inner child, mm -hmm. my, my smaller, the, the T version of me, um, when I was younger, all I did was dressing up. I could not stop dressing up. I would, my wardrobe would be all over my room and I would change clothes about five times a day. And I would perform in any type of clothing. I would go into my mum's wardrobe as well and um, perform for her friends. And there was a comedian um, uh, uh, performer in the Netherlands and she was called Tineke as well, Tineke Schouten. And I was mad about her. I loved her. I seen her in shows, and I went, you know, in the dressing room after, and got her autograph, and I introduced myself that my name is Tinika, and then she wouldn't believe me. <laughs> it was really funny. But she, she was so good in doing, um, you know, types of people stereotypes. She's very, very funny, and she takes the piss out of things so beautifully. And um, yeah, I guess as a child, I was copying her and doing all that. And when one of my mum's friends at some party when I for the third time were in another in another room dressed up in certain ways and performed just randomly and this friend went like does she do anything with theatre and my mum was like no she just does these things and um she should go to theatre <laughs> like okay and I was about I was about eight I think and then um, I got the chance to perform in an amateur production of Any Get Your Gun when I was nine yeah. in this amateur theater in the Netherlands, in a little theater. And I played a little cowgirl and we were singing, we were dancing and I got a couple of lines and all I remember at the end was that applause in the theater. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I'll never forget that moment. And then my dad took me to cats and I've seen a couple of shows and I was like well this is this is it so I trained musical theater like I did all the jazz hands I toured in shows and worked with a production company for a very long time as a choreographer and perform perform dancing singing acting all the triple threat basically and then I was kind of a little bit well a little bit tired of the jazz hands and the kids shows and that kind of stuff and then I wanted to just focus more on drama and real and screen acting and that's kind of when I kind of transitioned from theater to screen and really loved that journey and it kind of helped me with I don't know my my own psychological problems um, <laughs> and therapy and for me, acting was a way to express, like I, as the child that was constantly dressing up in school, I was bullied and made myself so small that when I got home, I needed to express myself, I think. And this is why I got dressed up, being somebody else, and then blah, 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 do a whole performance. And then whew, I got that out of my system. And um, I think that's how I coped with um the not so good times that i had in school well that's yeah. that's that's a good story mm. and now if if the bullies see that hey she's on the she's in these movies and i'm not so. yeah yeah too bad for them i mean yeah it was painful but uh now i can just forgive them and they gave me the opportunity to play and act at home and uh, find other ways to express. I don't know if I had, would have found that otherwise. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think when I was 18, I, I went through a whole period where I'd never really expressed anger 
And so I, I did boxing. So this is how I started boxing. You know, this is how I started that kind of training. The fighting, the fighter started to come mm -hmm. out when I was 18 because I had the past that still was kind of possibly hanging around me or sitting on my back, back, you know, my shoulders that I hadn't kind of dealt with. And boxing really, like my Thai kickboxing really helped to get that kind of out of my system. So, yeah, to kind of, to, you know, as an actor, you want to create or find all these colors inside of you and have all these drawers with all these different emotions that you can, you know, you can reach out to and, and feel. And yeah, I think probably my whole past has kind of prepared me for, for such, for so, for so many things. So yeah, I have lots of, lots of experiences to draw from, so to say. Yeah. Now, um, from the Muay Thai uh, kickboxing and from the stunt work, uh, any injuries? Not from those things, funnily enough. No, I have injuries from doing stupid things. That could be just going for a run and twist my ankle, or um, learning learning windsurfing in oh, Italy. Okay. You know, just for fun because I love yeah. it, and I got tired, and then I just fell over and, and hit really weird my my knee and my foot, and I chipped a little piece of my ankle Ouch. bone. Yeah. Um, which I only found out five months later when I finally went to see someone for it. Um, you know, just carry on. Um, no, I have never ever had, I think when I'm working is different because I know there's a lot of people involved and reliant and I have a responsibility to deliver. And I think that's a big switch in my being that goes like, do not fuck it up now. This is, there's money involved there's people involved and you have to do your best. And that mindset helps me. But when I'm out in my own day to day, I can yeah. do silly things. Yeah, no one's watching you windsurf, uh, you know, if, if you mess that up, you're only hurting yourself, oh, which un unfortunately yeah. you did, but yeah. Uh, actually, uh, um, do you have any advice for someone watching who, um, a similar situation when you were younger, the, you were bullied or, uh, or even if they're not young today to, uh, you know, try to, to help, uh, get past that. Okay. Find ways to express yourself because when you're going through such a time, however long that is, doesn't matter whether it's once or multiple times or multiple years, it's painful. And what helped me was somehow to transition or transform that pain into something fun for myself to kind of gift back to kind of replace I think and expressing whether that's singing or dancing or drawing or painting writing um, going for a walk in nature like nature is my go-to Buddha uh, I love being there and and um, finding peace, you know, but also <laughs> if you want to scream and something is pain, scream, just scream, you know, I've multiple times sat in the car and just had to have a scream and, you know, don't, don't let the pain get stuck in your body and let it sit there because it will turn into some form of unpleasantness that is going to be harder to get rid of. So I, I think for me with that, you know, unpleasant experiences, trauma, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, work with it and get rid of it as soon as you could possibly can and find a way that works for you, you know, whether that's a therapist or dancing or art therapy or writing, expressing, like get it out of your system. Please do. Yeah. I assume your the previous uh, short we were talking about not has uh, something to do with, with a lot of this. They're connected. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, I guess there is a scene um, where she's sitting on a rock. So she's kind of, I don't want to say too much, but, yeah, um, yeah. I she's, there's a, there's a smaller version of her, you know, of me, so to say, if I, if I translate it to my own life. Okay. I'm here, my adult version, there's a small version there. And if we, if we don't stay in touch with that small version that's being hurt or because you say, you say to yourself, um, because I, I still say that to myself, just suck it up and fucking just go, you know, what, what are you messing around? Just come on, don't be so close, just come on. And when you say that to your little self, it's, it's, you know, you don't say that, you know, you, you won't say that to your best friends or whatever it is. When there's, when there's unpleasantness involved or, or, or pain or whatever it is, you've got to give it love. You've got to give it love and when you lose contact with your little self, with your inner child, whatever way that is, um, you've got to find ways to it. And it's, it's in the long run, more painful to lose connection with that smaller version of yourself. So yeah, there is a part of that in the knot. Yeah. Um, Pepe Potit says, uh, your speech was very inspirational. Thank you. And also says, uh, he really likes your voice. It's very calming. Hmm. And uh, Scott Townsend, uh, what would your dream role be? Okay. Well, I have many, I think. I can't put it onto one because, like, when I was this little girl, I was playing all these roles. Um, so I dreamt of playing all of them. It could be going from a detective agent you know undercover a spy i love to be a spy um to a, a, you know a diva queen um or, or a real a real bitch i'd like to play a real bitch because now i can really channel my anger really well <laughs> and i would love to bring that to screen sometime um what else i would i i don't know i have a fascination about prisons um to play a prisoner i don't know why maybe a past life following me i'm not i'm not sure um i find it fascinating you know when you know yeah prisons um yeah something action you know badass action catwoman or something you know no, that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah. any 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 range that's um i know it's got that's got some fire and, and and balls and as a strong i like to play a strong character whatever she is but with a side of incredible vulnerability i think and she can be any type of character but i like a strong female character with a soft side now um you wrote not had you was this the first uh, script you wrote no um in london <laughs> so funny Oh my God. And you're going to watch that all now. Um, I did a, um, uh, we did a web series 
called Down the Alley. Have you watched it or no? No. Okay. Well, you can probably you can just kind of go through these videos. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, that was my first experience with uh, with Kara and Peter, um, two other actors and uh, writers, producers, beautiful people. And the three of us got this pub to use once a month. I think we did once a month for two days or something. Down, it, it, and it's the Eleanor Arms uh, somewhere in London. And we got this whole pub to use to shoot stuff. So we were like really excited. So we made up all these characters and then we played, we played multiple characters. So we, I think each of us played three different characters and they would all interact with each other. And um, that, that was my first experience writing and coming up with an idea. And that was, that was really my childhood expressing myself. You know, that was the playground for me to, to do what I had done as a child. And mm -hmm. a lot of it was improvised as well, but we kind of got the idea for it. Um, yeah, flick and jazz, you know, it's just, and that is, it's quite funny. It's, it's very badly funny in, in ways. <laughs> Um, but we had, a, we didn't care. Like yeah. we didn't, we were, we weren't aiming for the stars or Oscars, you know, it was just like, no, we're creators and we're going to have some fun. And, you know, it was just mainly probably my family and friends who watched it. And I've had a couple of random people say, Oh, I really liked it. <laughs> uh, or they were like, they were in stitches, you know, or some people were like, well, don't, I don't really get it. You know, yeah. you know, you got all these mixtures of, of reactions, which I love because you can never, ever please everyone. So, you know, um, yeah, that was my first experience. And I guess at the moment I'm trying to write my solo show, my solo theater, um, show that's, um, I've been wanting to do for so long. Um, that's my, uh, on my bucket list to perform solo in theater. So I'm slowly tipping away at that. So uh, what would that be? What would be the solo show? That would be a piece that I will be, I'm not, how do I say that? I, okay. <laughs> I guess I, I have certain life experiences as we all have. And I think parts of it, are so significant to me that I feel I could, and who knows, maybe I'm dreaming, that I hope to be able to inspire others and um, yeah, to make people feel different things in theater. As we, you know, we all, we all, I, I just love to be moved as an audience member. I love to be moved. And what I would like to do with this show is move people, but in all the ways in all the ways. I want them to leave my show feeling completely different about things. And I want them to feel inspired to, I guess, to, to I don't know, if it could just be a, a, a tiny bit of a, a, a wink into their own life to, to find to find love for themselves somehow. And, you know, life is freaking messy. And it's so important that we, that we love ourselves through all the things that we're going through. And um, I want it to be fun. I don't want it to be a drama or anything. Um, but with that, I want to tell 
I, I just want to use snippets of my own life that I think could be inspirational to people um, and help them move on or move forwards or they go in and all of a sudden they would be like, oh, light bulb moment. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I've been doing. Or there's exactly, oh, this is what I needed to hear or some, these kind of little things. Um, I don't want to be a Buddha or a guru or, or tell people how to live. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be an engaging thing. Like even the comedian Tineke Schouten, who I loved and adored as a kid, um, even for her in her comedy were, were bits and pieces that you will recognize from your own life. You know, everybody can fit that in somewhere. Yeah. And I love that about the, the media of art and storytelling is, you know, a, a book can really move you, but I want to, I want to perform that book. I want to entertain and, and bring that to life in different ways. And, um, yeah, I'm breaking my brain as over how I'm going to shape, shape the show and it will be some dance and singing and, and whatnot and musical and, and, and things, but I really want it to be for every single person in the audience. Interesting. Now, um, along those lines, are you familiar with, uh, the movie, um, a Bronx tale? It's a, it's a, gangster movie with Chaz Palminteri, Robert De Niro. Uh, the reason why I asked that is uh, it was originally a one-man play where he played all the roles and it's like his his story. And uh, he did, he uh, so that was like back in the early 80s when he did the one-man play. And then he brought it back um, last year and did a couple shows and Annabelle and I saw it in Boston. And uh, the idea of one guy playing all the roles, like telling a story, it seems like that's a lot to do, but it was... Uh, it was a, one of the coolest things we saw. Oh, cool. Well, I have to watch it now. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. The, the movie version, you know, it's actors playing all the roles, but his original okay. uh, stage play, uh, it's just one man show doing everything. It's, it's very interesting. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. Just him in a chair. and uh, But yeah, it's a lot of your imagination is filling in everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. So do you, so do you still sing? I said you, song, you sing, you want to sing in this and... Yeah, I, I do. Well, I, I hadn't sing, sung, sung, hadn't sung, hadn't been singing for a while, um, mm -hmm. on and off. But um, actually, my, my darling friend, Carly, um, she got me up to sing with her a song at Open Mic Night here in our little village. Um, and so we sang and yeah, it had been a while since I'd had a microphone in front of me and sang in front of people like that. And yeah, I was really, really nervous. But then once I'd done it, I was like, oh, I've done this a million times. <laughs> I can do this. But it, it was funny because things have taken a while. Like I've just started dancing again after 15 years as well. And yeah, you do lose your confidence. Um, so I'm just slowly picking that back up. And um, yeah, I, I am preparing <laughs> a few songs for the next open mic night at the end of this month. So yeah. That's right. Uh, what are some of your favorite uh, musicals or uh, music theater? Oh, musicals, musicals. I love Chicago. Um, that would be one that I would love to play. Um, I've seen, I, when I was in New York, I saw so many. Um, I, I loved watching Wicked. It was amazing. Um, Legally Blonde was hilarious. Um, these are all Broadway shows. Yeah. Um, recently went to see Hamilton here at the Spark Arena in Auckland, and I loved it. It was great. I had seen the version on Disney with Lin-Manuel himself, and um, 
Yeah, now seeing it real life, I mean, oh, their voices was just, it was amazing. The set, the everything, it was just, um, yeah, it was a real, real treat. So I loved that as well. Um, I loved playing Alice in Wonderland when I was 16, 15 or 16, and I played Alice. It was one of my real favorite ones as a, as a teenager. Um, oh gosh, I mean, you know, all the, you know, Fame, Grease, um, Cinderella, um, you know, Miss Saigon, Lion King, it is just, just so much. I mean, my repertoire that I have on my, on my computer is just endless, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just, I was just going to mention, I'm a big fan of Sweeney Todd. And so when I was in London, Todd, I went, yeah. yeah, I had to go to Fleet Street and we had, uh, we had meat pies on Fleet Street. Oh, cool. It seemed like there was also a barber shop there, but oh, did you go? Uh, no, it's it probably wouldn't have done me too much good, I guess. Maybe I could have got a, my beard trimmed or something. Nice. How often do you shave it? Um, so I have this little uh, a little hand shaver, and you just it, it's electric, and so I can just buzz it uh, even if I'm just okay. at the computer. It's uh, it's very handy. Used to do it with a razor, and that's very time consuming. Yeah, I thought about doing that for the short film, and because I shaved it off um, mm -hmm. for the film, the knot. I had long hair, and I thought about you know doing it with the shaver as well. But then I watched all these tutorials on YouTube, and it looked quite dangerous, actually. <laughs> like, right. Oh well, yeah. Uh, well, the hand shaver, like it's so it's like this. It just fits in your palm, and you can just go around, and it okay. can do wet or dry. But you have to have it pretty much buzzed down to do that. Yeah. But to do, um, when I first did it, actually, first time I uh, buzzed my hair was uh, during the pandemic. And uh, it was like uh, hair clippers, and I did it real short, and then I started doing that ever since. Nice. Feels yeah. good, eh? Yeah, it's my, uh, I'm a little cold at the moment, so my head gets colder easy, but uh, but it's also nice, uh, nice when it's... Uh, also, it's easy when I get up, I don't have to do anything. I can just, you know, take a shower yeah. and get moving. Yeah, nice. You have to look after your beard now by the look of it. Yeah, we got we got uh you know <laughs> I've got this this wooden uh Oh lovely, look at that. That's so oh lovely. I, I do try to curl it sometimes, but I need like some wax or something. Yeah, oh great. Yeah. I think that'll suit you really well. I think you should go long. Yeah, that's I yeah, that's why I, I shade the sides here to uh try to grow that out to, to twirl it. But yeah, it's, awesome. it's a little, it's a little bit of work, but I like it too. Nice. I'm glad that you approve. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, our uh, since the Lord, uh, maybe it's just a stupid question because I'm not from there, but since Lord of the Rings, like, and they made all the all so much stuff there, had did that really grow like the uh, the film community in New Zealand? Um. Or was there I, always one there? I don't know. When I, I wasn't here when the first Lord of the Rings was filmed. Oh, okay. So, no, I don't think I was. Um, so I, I, I don't, I can't really compare them. Yeah, Cause I now. have had guests on that were um, from some, um, the movie uh, Dead Alive, which is a old Peter Jackson horror movie he made in the eighties. And he mentioned that uh, once, uh, once the Lord of the Rings movie, he joked that like everyone in film is, is, uh, is is like under contract to peter jackson in new zealand but but he just said like it did change uh uh the you know there's more people employed to, to work mm. in films now yeah well yeah there there is a decent amount of people working in film definitely 
I mean, I don't know what it was before, so right. I, I, I'm not sure if it's more or less. I mean, obviously we had um, the series then started to film here, the Lord of the Rings series, um, and then that kind of got moved to the UK. Um, so that, that you know, that had a, you know, loads of people, loads of people were invo involved and employed then. Um, and I guess when that kind of fell through, okay, I guess that was a bit of a ouch, um, that's leaving. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. But then at the same time, studio space was opened up for other productions. So, you know, everything I'm sure will have, a, have it finds its way in the universe to be perfect as it is. Yeah. yeah. So I saw uh, on your IMDb uh, coming up is the devil, you know, if you can talk about that. <laughs> that's a film that uh, Johanna, she's my dear sister, um, soul sister, who lives in Ireland. She's an amazing actress as well, Johanna Thea. Um, yeah, we're, we're still writing that, actually. Um, so, that yeah, psychological thriller. And um, this is completely her idea. And um, she uh, she had this idea for a while, and she's like, "I want you to play this role," and da 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 da. And then we thought about, "Oh, but you're in New Zealand, and I'm here," and blah blah blah. Um, and that script is getting a revamp as we speak. Um, so we're still working on this. We're going to work closely closer together to talk through the script as well. Because writing a script, I mean, gosh, I don't. I mean, writers obviously do it all the time, but it's a hard job. Like, that's a different talent. Like, I have a lot of respect for writers to just be able to, you know, write a script. Like, he's saying this, and then he's saying that, and then he's, like, amazing, you know. I much rather improvise. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to work closely together and, and see if we can shape that up and then get the funding for it and shoot either there or here or, um, yeah. But, yeah, that's a little project that's in the pipeline. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. And um, so since uh, you said it's hard, but, you know, uh, you're doing more writing, is that something you would like to do more of? Um, I don't know. You could write, no. uh, you could write yourself as a spy and, and, yeah. I, and, and some of the characters you'd like to play. If I could, I think uh -huh. I, um, right now I don't have the confidence to do that at all. Um, I, I, I don't think... Um, but who knows? Who knows? I don't think I have really tried it yet. I don't think I've really actually sat down and like, okay, what well, you know, you know, I, I, I just haven't done the thing where A says this, B says this, or this character, da 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 da. I've written like stories, you know, like a treatment or a summary, or this is what happens in the story. So ideally, I would work with a writer. I think to put that into words and to like actually to write dialogue like good dialogue ah oh, that would be so yummy you know to write real good dialogue i'd love to be able to um so maybe i just need to find a co-pilot and do it with someone yeah. sorry there are technical difficulties but we're all set here so uh what are you working on uh currently or do you have anything that you're working on currently um, I'm currently, well, I'm doing some stunts on a, a series, which well, I'm not going to oh, talk right. about, fair um, enough, but, um, yep, yeah, I'm doing some stunts, <laughs> um, these, these last week, this week, next week. Um, yeah, just little things, uh, which are really fun. 
Um, and uh, no, I like <laughs> the endless uh, life of a performing artist is to find freelance work. And so um, on the side, I am studying accounting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, being a little nerd, um, yeah. but you I can, feel um, you I can do I just, my taxes. And, yeah, yeah, can do. Uh, I just want to know how this works because nobody knows, and um, I think it'd be really important for me to understand. I mean, I've done my tax return my whole life myself, but yeah, yeah. Um, when certain questions were were there with the IRD here in New Zealand, I was like, mm, I'm not so sure about this. So I was like, well, the only way to find out is to study it myself and then know. And then I can say, well, this is how it works. So, um, and my God, if you ask an accountant, can you help me? <laughs> well, I have this question. They say, yeah, yeah, just pay us this amount of money, which is <laughs> right, always we'll heaps. Do it for you. Yeah. And then we'll have a look for you. So you don't even know whether you're going to get your answers or not. So... I'm in the process of finding myself someone who can give me the answers without having to pay $400 an hour. Right. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm studying that online in my own pace. So that goes really well with everything else. And then I am working at this amazing, lovely um, coffee yeah. shop, oh. book, bookshop, bookshop cafe. Um, I've recently started working there. I've like, like I did a whole summer of diving, just got to my dive masters and then winter kicks in and I'm, I'm way too cold to go diving. And um, yeah, this, this cafe bookshop comes up. My friends have just started it last month and uh, who knew I could make coffees? Apparently I can. So I'm really enjoying, um, it's a very, you know, just such a nice space. It's very Zen, it's very mindfulness, all about the mindfulness books are on the shelf. You can sit there, have your coffee, read a book from the shelf. If you like it, you can buy it. If not, you could put it back on the shelf. Um, delicious teas, coffees, chais, cacao. I'm double drink. I actually have some tea in this, hot tea in this, and hot coffee in this. I keep them in thermoses because I like them very hot throughout. Yeah, uh, like very good, very, very good. How do you drink your coffee? I I have it often in an oat flat white. That's I mine my... just mine's black. I just drink it black. Black. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's too strong for me if it's black. Yeah, so a few years ago, I stopped uh, eating sugar, and I changed how I ate and everything. And uh, so it took a little while to get used to uh, black coffee. But once I did, now if I have it any other way, I'm just like, I don't. it doesn't taste right anymore. So, no. And right. it's kind of like, I used to think, like, you know, people who, who like wine, and they say it's got hints of this and that. And so you'd mm. see, like, the coffee beans has hints of... Toasted marshmallow, caramel, and I don't mean flavored, but the you know the the beans ha and I think oh that's a bunch of you know bullshit. Or but once <laughs> once you actually drink it black for a while, like oh yeah, I can tell the differences in the in the difference. yeah yeah I bet yeah 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 no totally yeah no I'm being spoiled now with organic organic coffee. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I grind. <laughs> no, I'm sure everyone cares about all the coffee, but I, gr I grind, uh, I grind my uh, coffee. Uh, per cup, and then I, ma I make mine in a French press. I'm kind of a coffee snob, but yeah. Nice. Scott Townsend Zenden represent. Yeah. <laughs> and he also likes uh, he likes his coffee like he likes his men, strong and black. Mm -hmm. That's very good. And action. Um, he said, I don't know. Is he calling you? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Action pack nerd. I think that's a that's a fair. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's quite accurate <laughs> yeah. i'll take that yeah i so, think it's good i like so, it i did also want to ask because it's it's uh, the scene that was used and uh, i think it's kind of the first scene everyone saw is uh 
in the bathtub scene. I think it's what caught, caused everyone like, wow, this looks really cool. So uh, how long did it take to, to film the bathroom scene? And, and you uh, you sent me some cool pictures, actually, uh, in and out of uh, a makeup from that. Yes. Oh, um, it was such a such fun time to be in the bath. I had some time in the bath as well, just in swimmers, um, while the camera was on the actors. Uh, I just got the thrash around. Um, yeah, the bathroom, The I, I did a couple of things in there. I mean, the, the underwater bit, the thrashing, that's me. While they had little windows in the bath, the camera was on the outside looking in. That was really cool. And then I guess the the stunt for me to go up Scorpio um, up to the ceiling, we tried a few different ways um, in the rig to see what worked. And um, I got bashed around really well before we had decided on the kind of a nicer <laughs> way to end up in that position. Uh -huh. Um, here, and picture here. yeah, that was after she, after this is after she turned around. So this is for, um, Alyssa to put her in that rig. Yeah. Yeah. And this is lovely photoshopped by one of the crew. Oh, okay. As you can see, cause I'm not supposed to be able to look in the mirror. Right. I look right. the other way. Yeah, it was it was so much fun. And then one one day um, where I'm in the bath, but there's all these hoses are in the bath, so it's very uncomfortable to lie in because you can't really because you've got all these tubes sticking up because there were little fountains that were about to explode while I would be flying into the ceiling. Um, yeah, finding my way in there was really uh, challenging and lots of fun. I love a good challenge. And then the, the, you know, the water, it's really wet and it was on, you know, bare feet, bare hands. So I would slide or, you know, the director wanted me to stick myself to the ceiling and my hands there. And that was it. Like, I know stick. exactly what you're, the scene you're saying now. Yeah. You know, so the first, uh, I mean, third take, I got it. But the first two takes, I kept slipping. Uh -huh. I got, I got in position and then wobbled, you know, um, and then we put sticky tape on the tiles really dry it off props guys were drying it drying it to the best they could and um put sticky tape so when i would fly up i could just stick myself to the tiles <laughs> and that really helped um that was a really really fun one to do i i loved that one that was a really i think that was probably what needed a lot of focus because mm -hmm. i had to stick it there you know and i had to I, you know, I don't have control over the flying, but the stunt team has. And yeah, I think apart from all the elevator stuff, I think that was one of the stunts where I felt really connected with the stunt team who were behind watching me on the monitor and doing the countdown. And, um, you know, I would never, ever say I'm ready until I'm 100% sure I'm ready because I just want to do it well. I don't want to say, yeah, 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 I'll do it. No, no, no. I want to, I wait till my mind is at the right point in time for me to just do it. And, um, and I don't know if I take, I've, I don't know if I've taken for ages, but, um, sometimes I would just be there and like, okay. And imagining myself doing the sticking constantly, constantly. And then I would get, okay, set, you know, and then they'd pull me and because they had to pull me at a certain pace, and, and, and a certain height, 
you know, too far in, my butt would be too up to the ceiling, which would, you know, not look good. And um, too slow wouldn't, you know, wouldn't help me because my body needed to go straight there for me to be able to stick myself there. So anyway, it was all these things involved. And I just love that. That was so cool. That was a real team. I mean, everything was teamwork, but I really enjoyed that because they were, they were miles away pulling the ropes because there was a crane through that hole the ropes were going, you know, 20, 30 meters down to this, to the crane thing where they were then pulling the rope. So, um, you know, we got all the RTs going and there's slight delays and yeah, that was, uh, that was really, really fun. And I, there was another time where I think I'm, I'm just doing the hands, the finger ones, and I'm lying in the bath and the, the, then there is a hole through the wall, completely different set. And I, you know, we'd have so much fun where I would be lying just waiting and I'd all of a sudden the crew were just setting up and I would just sit there chilling and then all of a sudden my, I pretend my legs got pulled and I went like <sighs> and I got pulled away and you know cracking up laughing and doing all these stupid things um, while waiting around because it was just there you know <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of time for play which um, yeah I think is important but when it gets to now it's time to focus and shoot you got to be ready to shoot you know, no faffing around then. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how about the elevator scene then? Uh, uh, you know, can you walk us through that? I guess. Yeah. I, I spent it, uh, I think the first two weeks. So when we started the whole rehearsals, it was just me rehearsing in the elevator for two mm -hmm. weeks straight before cast even came over from the States, Australia and stuff like this. So it was, it was awesome to really get to know your stunt team, to get to know like Bronson, the guy who was always pulling me, you know, he was, he was the other side of me for me to be able to do anything. And then there was, you know, all the assistance and, you know, I got to, I got to learn a lot about ropes and knots and pulleys and carabiners and, um, the elevator we, cause Alyssa had to do quite a lot in the elevator. So we had to make like slightly, um, softer, easier version for her. So she wouldn't, you know, hurt herself. And then my version. So we played between these things and we had lots of mats. We just, it was just, you know, a wooden box for us. And we tried to kind of make a bit, bit of a roof or this or that. Um, and then, cause you got to figure out how hard can they pull and what's the right uh, tension, you know, to put on these things. So yeah lots of days in the harness being, you know, you know, smashed around, but you know, I got my back pad and helmets on and I was fine. And then I remember one day, <laughs> was this, it was probably shooting towards the end where I don't know who came up with the idea exactly, but it was an idea to have Ellie, the character go in the elevator, go up, down, up, down, up, down, like absolutely smashed around. Uh -huh. So I was like, okay, I had quite a busy day on set filming and then had to go and do rehearse that and then back to set for filming. It was a very funny day. And um, yeah, surely they put me in helmet on, this on, geared up, looking as white as a ghost from the makeup and um, looking at this, how we could do this. But because of also, because it's an elevator, like my legs weren't really you know, doing what the force would then potentially do because of the gravity of my body. But we tried it out and I got smashed through the roof really well. 
um, that was that was a really fun day. And we tried it like it went up, down, and like there was no recovery. And um, <laughs> I remember f because when when they would pull, you know, there's a certain height that they pull you to. But because you've got you've got Sorry. bless you, you've got momentum going. So by the time I hit the roof, I have that momentum. So I went through the roof quite a few times. So I said, well, you can you can pull me up here and I will probably do the last bit myself, you know, yeah. these kind of things. So we had to lower the pressure of that. And um, yeah, that never made it into the movie, but it was hilarious. I, I don't think I've giggled inside myself so much <laughs> that I was doing that. But my legs wouldn't, because I tried to then hold my, you know, kind of make my the bottom of my feet hit the ceiling first so I didn't smack fully in anyway it was um <laughs> it was a real fun one um and the other ones you know get Alyssa get it get Alyssa in there and then rehearsing it with her um and, but she had a great time she loved it she was like oh it's it's fine you know she was tough as she could easily handle all the things yeah. um yeah it was really really fun and I yeah we had a lot of giggles yeah. So uh, the, when was the first time you saw the finished movie? Um, the... um, someday, end of April, 25th of April or something. We had a cast and crew screening in Newmarket in this big cinema. And um, amazing chairs there. It's probably the first time I was like a recliner. You just like, you <laughs> yeah, feed yeah. up you know super super chill yeah we were there with mostly crew um big screen and the sound before it started we we're just like looking at each other like oh my god we're in for a ride um yeah it was fun to watch it with the crew and um yeah i think we were all well impressed yeah what what was you know it's so beautifully shot i think the camera work is really well done the cinematography and yeah how it's been cut together like i found it the whole time really engaging but also for me to look like oh my god i spent four months of my life on that set like i know all all the little bits and pieces i know the props i know this i know that and there's some things that didn't make it in there it's like oh there's this corner in the house that was just so beautiful because set design made this look so real like i would have bought that that apartment you know i would just put it on land somewhere and <laughs> and i don't know i could have totally lived in it it was so beautifully made the detail everything was so real and um yeah i loved seeing it then actually on this massive screen where we had all worked as a as a team it was a real real fun um, team to be part of like a, a big machine and we had all created that and that was yeah i thought that was really beautiful um, i think we were all really really proud yeah and then did you get to see it with an audience to see it like uh, obviously you watch with cast and crew but did you see it with an audience at some point too to get like their reaction yeah i was able to um so i live in this little village uh, an hour north from auckland and there's a little cinema here and it's mainly kind of, you know, the general movies that are in the cinema, nothing too outspoken. And I know the manager there and I said, uh, hey, um, I am the stunt double of this, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. of this actress in this movie. And um, I know it's a horror. It's not really for the audience and, you know, here in this little village. 
but uh, would you be keen to screen it once for my friends here, you know, for the locals? Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, I'll see what I can do. So they were emailing with Universal. And sure enough, because I was like, I'll rent, I'll rent the cinema myself and then I'll get everyone to chip in or something, 15 bucks, whatever it is. Yeah. And then, um, and then th- just so many people were interested because oh, I posted it on the local group and I was like, um, I might need the bigger cinema. <laughs> what would that cost? And would it be possible to get it to public as well? And I was like, oh, I don't know, because this is a one-off. It's kind of a different arrangement. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, to and fro. And then it was like, yep, we're going to do it in the big cinema. Um, the first week, all your friends can get cheap tickets. And then afterwards, we'll make, we'll make it public. But by that time, there was only like 10 seats left for the public. So loads of locals um, came. And it was fun because um, the designer of hair and makeup, uh, Vanessa, she lives not far from where I live. She's local and um, makeup artist as well, head of makeup department and the designer overall. And then Verity came up, who did all the makeup and hair for Lily. And then uh, we had Nell, who plays Cassie, the little girl. Her grandparents live in this area. So they came with 10 of them. Um, and then we had Tom, who I know uh, was from props, second unit props. Um, I, uh, I loved working with him on this one particular scene where she makes the eggs, the omelette. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that, that's most of it is me smashing the eggs and the rector wanting me to aim for certain uh, corners. First egg there, second one, third egg there. And it was real fun. And Tom had to clean that all up and then do it. We had to do it again. Um, so he came. So we had a couple of locals in, you know, amongst all our friends. And I, I did a little presentation up front. And we had some drinks at the Vintry Bar. And, uh, yeah, it felt like a really nice local warm i just felt like all oh, these people came it just felt like i you know i i'd organized something and people actually came which <laughs> was great and um yeah i think people you know one guy oh, bless him he fell asleep it was so funny he hated it he's like it's so boring it's so boring he sat there with his beer at the end i love him um and he just was like well, what is it all what is it all about what it's so boring, you know, and uh, so you have all these different reactions, and that was, and some were just like, "Well, um, that was something, wasn't it?" So you know, <laughs> and my friend, um, she got this massive teddy bear, this a white teddy that she brought into the cinema. Um, Leo, we'd call it, and she said, "Maybe I'll pass him around if anybody needs him." You know, we had this banter before it started, and um, that was, um, yeah, that was Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> and he fell asleep. <laughs> might as well add him here on the show. Yeah, I might as well just say it. Then, yeah. He's a uh, lovely. Mickey, yeah. um, he does all the gardens here in the village uh, at the Matakana village, uh, the market. And we, yeah, he's he's a great guy. But yeah, he was like, oh, it's boring. <laughs> uh, and the teddy owner is Nick. The teddy owner is Nicky. Yeah. Uh, Jay Bradbury says uh, that you're badass. It sounds like getting uh, it sounds like getting stick to the stealing and being bounced around an elevator. So anyway, you're badass from being bounced around an elevator. Is what he said. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was very cool to get to see it in the small village when everyone came out and supported the movie. Yeah, and we had the reactions, you know, and my friends who just, you know, yeah, it was just great to to see how they reacted. And um, yeah, so we had that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. 
And uh, when the trailer started to play, um, you know, when they show so much of the shower scene and stuff, uh, I assume that had to be pretty exciting. Say again? The... Uh, when, they, when the trailer comes out and there's so much of the shower scene and the bathtub scene, I, I assume that had to be exciting to see that they used that so much in the trailers. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 I was in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, like two of the stunts. Well, that one was in it. And then the one where she flies across the lounge at her daughter. Um, that was me as well, which was fun. Um, just uh, run and jump kind of thing um, on mats. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And I think, you know, I mean, I was surprised when seeing the trailer come out that, um, yeah, there was all these things in it that I thought maybe, you know, would have been more excited to keep little secret for, for a little right, while. Right. Yeah, it is but, the problem uh, with trailers in general is uh, nowadays they yeah. show so much of the movie, yeah. Yeah, how do you what are you, what are you giving away or you're not giving away? That's another like, thing I like. like giving... I do like about going to uh, festivals is a lot of times I go into the movies not knowing really anything about them. So, and if it's it's kind of hard, but if you can go into a movie without even seeing the trailer, uh, I do think it's a, it's a better experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not always possible. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah, possibly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I was I was like, wow, they put all this in the trailer, like. But surely they've saved all the other stuff for the film. So I was like, wow, the film must be really good if they already put this in the trailer. Um, but yeah. And people uh, people have really liked it. So it's very cool. Yeah, I think it was well, well, well received. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, how can people follow you to see what you're up to? And also, I have an idea since you're just now getting into uh, watching some more horror movies. If people had suggestions to send you for horror movies to watch. Oh yes, that'll be great. Yes, yeah. and just over. remember, she's uh, you have uh, you haven't seen a ton, so don't send anything like too crazy. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, just send it over. I mean, Instagram is probably the easiest way to connect. Um, send me a message. Send me some movie suggestions. Um, that'll be great. Yeah, I'd love to watch some more gory stuff. But I think also because with this one, it was very funny. Um, um but i i know for for some people like when it comes to thriller you know mm -hmm. combining with the, the building up and the tension and stuff like this is a bit harder to watch so and i i quite like those thrillers as well so put that i just put that out there very good not well, not just the gory you know but you know yeah well, as long as it has that's a, a good thing about horror movies depends what your mood what mood i'm in because i like uh I like. I mean, there's some really serious horror movies I like, like Rosemary's Baby or something. And then there's something, you know, really crazy, like uh, like the Evil Dead movies that are fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like to see a good variety of stuff, definitely, because yeah. it's all people's creation. You know, I love it that, you know, us is endless. You know, and we all have different opinions about it, and I just I love that about it. It's just there's never really, a, you know, a right or a wrong. It's just a way of and. Um, yeah, weird and wonderful things can be amazing too. Yeah. Right. This has been very fun to talk with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's I'm been glad great you did fun. This. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Nasty we'll catch up. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I should have thought of I don't know what's a cool T uh, word for T. Um, uh, that would be Terra. Uh, Terra Tinica. Oh, yeah, t yeah. Well, I my brother terrible, is terrible, terrible Troy, who's on the show, so I don't want to st steal terrible, but um, we'll think about it. We'll think. About it. Okay.
Yeah, true. Oh, yeah, good. and uh, Trista Robinson sometimes on the show is treacherous. I guess I have a few, oh, few oh, ones yeah. already, but treacherous, tremendous, tremendous. That's a very nice one, but I don't know if it fits yeah. in with. Uh, no. Yeah, people have tried to get uh, Annabelle tries to get me to change nasty Neil because she says I'm not nasty, which I suppose is a nice thing to tell me. But she said go with sweet Neil, which sounds nice, but I don't think it really fits a horror movie show. No, but maybe another word with an N. Right. Yeah, so I, my other uh, another friend suggested necro Neil. Necro Neil. That does ring really well. It does, yeah. 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 <laughs> so we'll think about it. All right. And then <laughs> if you watch some horror movies, we'll we'll get your uh we'll get your reactions to them uh, next time. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And let us know about not and uh we'll let people know where they can see it when it when it's uh, available, uh festivals or wherever. Yeah, we'll do, definitely. All right, so I'm going to play some music here from our Music of the Month, Timothy Fife, and thank you, Taneke. Taneke. Pleasure. Thank you, Nasty Neil. Thank you very much. We'll be back here. <laughs> See ya. Thanks, guys.
my name is Kevin Keppy, and I am your nightmare mom. And you are watching Without Your Head. 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 Hey, and I'm back here once again. Big uh, thank you to Naneka Robinson. Uh, it was very fun to talk with her. I I'm a big fan of... Evil Dead Rise, and I'm wearing an old-school Evil Dead shirt, which I did not mention on the interview, but I'm sure a lot of people noticed. But, um, so coming up, we will have Sorrow Seed on here in about 10 minutes. They were music of the month last month. This month is Timothy Fife, not to confuse everyone. So um, we will have a guest on here in about eight minutes. Uh, Annabelle cannot be on tonight, and nor could Troy, but I believe both will be back next week. So we're going to be talking to death metal. How, however you say it, metal, death metal, black metal. There's many different things. We'll be talking to Sar Seed here momentarily. I want to let everyone know this Tuesday is the return of Tuesday Night Fright, which is, uh, so we're going to show a horror movie. It'll be live, the horror movie will be live streamed right here on YouTube. You'll watch it with your eyeballs, listen to it with your ear holes, and then right after that, we will have a live video Q&A with uh, the fine filmmakers of Senseless, the fine folks from Trash Arts all the way in England. So that's going to be a good time. Let's see here. I have the poster right here. Here we go. Uh, so that will be um, Senseless. Looking forward to that. It's not a senseless film. There's senseless acts within this film. Um, let's see here. If you want to uh, help out the show, you can uh, super chat here. I'll send you some stickers as a thank you. You can also Venmo to Hediverse. Helps cover the cost of uh, doing the show. I don't have them here. Where are they? Oh. But anyway, I, uh, I, I put in the little thing there. This is really cool. Universal Monster Terror Cards that we showed last week. And I thought I had them handy, but I think they're over there. And uh, it's too far away for me to go grab. But uh, you guys should check them out. Here we go. This is uh, AJ Rita. Rita. Rest in peace to the Iron Sheik. Yeah, uh, wrestling legend. The Iron Sheik passed away. So I've, um, I've interviewed the Iron Sheik twice. The latest one was actually here on Without Your Head. It was about his documentary, which is a great documentary. That's a very interesting interview. And my original interview with uh, the Iron Sheik for 2005 on In Your Head, my wrestling podcast. And at the time, it was our most views ever. And it was uh, only one question. Iron Sheik, uh, I've mentioned this many times when people, uh, I, I joke about, oh, you know, if you get sick, me can hang up. Like, well, I hope I don't want to do that. But uh, but it did happen once, and that was the Iron Sheik hung up on me after one question. He uh, he took it the wrong way. And um, I was very, I was upset. I was like, wow, the Iron Sheik hung up. So I tried to call the Iron Sheik. He didn't answer that day. I called the next day to apologize, and he had no memory of it. But uh, at that time, it was our most views ever on In Your Head. It actually got a lot of press. I think it's how a lot of people discovered the show. So it was uh, it, it was pretty wild experience. But 
as a fan, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, do just think of the Iron Sheik of the last, you know, 20 years when he was basically retired as a wrestler and was kind of a, this crazy personality. And all that's very entertaining. And honestly, he was smart to do that because it really prolonged his career. He continued to uh, get booked places when he could no longer wrestle, but he was this, you know, crazy character and uh, entertaining character. So, so he, uh, he had a whole new life after that from Howard Stern and uh, for people who might not even knew him as a wrestler. The, um, the documentary goes into a lot of stuff, which I think on the surface, you can see the Iron Sheik and think, oh, he's this wacky, crazy guy. But there's uh, a lot of tragedy in the man's life that uh, led to um, substance abuse, which was unfortunate. Um, I believe he got himself you know, clean near the end of his life. But as a wrestler um, in his prime, fantastic wrestler in amazing shape. Has a great uh, history. A lot of stuff about the Iron Sheik. Um, great, you know, lack of a better term, the evil foreigner. I mean, that was the foreign menace was always part of wrestling um, for, for a century. And uh, he played that in the 80s. He was the guy that, that transitioned the title from the All-American Bob Backlund to the boom period of Hulk Hogan, which completely different eras, uh, you know, Bob Backlund had the belt for many years in the 70s. All-American guy, late 70s, early 80s. And then uh, lost it to Hulk Hogan. And then um, or he lost it to Iron Sheik and then uh, went to Hulk Hogan. So rest in peace, the Iron Sheik. Two-time guest here on the show. We will be having Sarasid on here momentarily. I see some of the band have logged in, but... Uh, I'll wait till everyone's here. Should be in about two minutes or so. Uh, None 2 is coming out. So people uh, can check that out. There's uh, They posted the first uh, photos of the None 2. Those are online. You can check those out. I'm not a big fan of the first None, but a lot of people like it. Uh, so check that out when it's out. Uh, there's also Carmella Creeper, which, uh, this is the first ever female character in the Monster Cereal line. And anyone knows me, I'm a big fan of the Monster Cereal. As you can see behind me, we've got, uh, Boo Berry, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Yummy, Mummy back here, and Fruit Brute. So now I have to get a whole new one. We also have the uh, the cereal boxes back here, but I'm not really a big fan of the cereal itself, but I do, I've always liked the uh, laconography, I guess. I don't know what you call it. But um, yeah, I liked it so much, I made our own. So you can actually get these shirts. We've got uh, Nastios, that's me. Dill pickle flavored frosted cereal with brain mallows. Who doesn't want that? Treacherous treats. Red licorice flavored frosted syrup with black cat mellows with Trista Robinson on the cover. Of course, the Terror Berries, which is Terrible Troy's elderberry flavored frosted cereal and severed limb mallows. Uh, the newest one, Annabelle Lecter's Crunch Bodies, which is Sorrow Berries. They turn your milk into blood. 
Uh, friend of the show, the Bill Weedies, the Breakfast of Necromancers. Uh, Backwoods Bobs, Backwoods Bites, their moonshine flavor frosted cereal with possum mallows. You got little marshmallows that are in the shapes of possums. And, uh, and of course, for all the kids out there, moonshine flavored cereal. All right, we got, I think we have the band on here. We get them on, but the last one here, I'll show. Greasy Flakes, pink grapefruit flavored frosted cereal with olive oil and mini sausages, and uh, which turn your cereal into grease. So that is all part of a nutritious breakfast. And as you can see here, they contain no vitamins or minerals of any kind. All right, so let's see here. Let's get the band on here. Enough of my nonsense. Let's see here. I believe we have Sorrow Seed on the line. What's up? Hello. Hey, what's up? How's it going? I'm oh, good. Smokey. Smokey's joining the call. Yeah, oh, very here. cool. Hell yeah. Awesome. Hi, Smokey. <laughs> oh, see, she's hiding now that she's on camera. Oh, cute. <laughs> what kind of bird is that? She's a cockatiel. Which is uh, one of the smallest species of parrots. It's very, cu very cute, Smoky. Yeah. yeah. You can be a awesome. pirate. <laughs> yeah, she's honestly very, uh, very chill, very mellow. Uh, really doesn't make a whole lot of noise. She's a. Uh, I don't know. Got got pretty lucky with her. She's not the type of bird that will start screaming at six a.m. and wake you up. She's actually very respectful. Waits until I'm awake and out of bed to start making noise. She's great. <laughs> Lilith, no pets on that end. Well, maybe you have pets, but they're they're not here with us at the moment. Well, yeah, I'm traveling right now. Oh, so, right. Uh, yeah, Smokey is our our bird. Uh, traveling bird. <laughs> and we also have a have a snake, a corn, a albino lavender corn snake named Snowflake. Snowflake. That's a very cute name for for a, for a snake. Yeah, we like, uh, I don't know, the elements. <laughs> We've got Smokey and Snowflake. I would uh, I would bring Snowflake out to see you, but she is not chill. She is insane, and every time we take her out of the tank, she goes crazy and just wants to she wants to explore, so I would be wrestling her the entire time. All right, fair enough. Now, I'm actually, I set this up in my basement. Every once in a while, I'll have some mice run around back here, but they usually do not get on the, on, on the show. <laughs> all right yeah sounds right yeah. in fact i had i used to have um it was like a, a prop from a movie and it was up here and one time i came down here and i noticed the bag was it was still there but there was a little bit of crumbs and something got into it and ate what was ever in the bag out which was Oops. very strange but, so no more edible stuff down here mm -hmm. so, so sorrow seed for people who aren't aware of course they'd be aware but can you give them an idea of what your music is like? Which is a weird question, I think, to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's always the hard one. Yeah. Um, if we're trying to not have like 17 words in this description uh, of a subgenre <laughs> label, I generally call it somewhere between like melodic death metal and blackened death metal. Um, like people have compared us to like Behemoth. Uh, but with a little bit more kind of like melodic and gothic flavor. 
It's sort of like movies. I, I, as uh, horror movies, when people are fighting over, uh, like the what genre or something, it's always annoying to me. It's like, yeah. if you like it, you like it. That doesn't matter. If right. It's, same. I feel the same way, man. Like, there's just so many different little fucking subgenres now, and people can be so nitpicky about it. And I'm just like, it's fucking heavy metal, okay? <laughs> if if it's death metal or black, like, do you like it more or less if it's not considered? You know, this. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Metal. Some, you know, the the metal community in general has a reputation of being fairly elitist, which sucks because it's like okay, we're already kind of like a cross-section of humanity that is like sort of considered more on like the outside perimeter. We're all sort of like misfits and stuff. Like, why do you have to just try to go and like, you know, be clicky within such a small kind of subgenre anyway? So it can be really annoying, but um, but yeah. So what he said, usually we're, we're kind of like melodic death metal, uh, simply put, but we have elements of uh, doom, black, Prague, and uh, a little bit of goth flavor, I guess you could say too. Now uh, you mentioned you're traveling right now, so you yeah uh, you guys are out on the West Coast now, but I, I saw you had a, a show recently in New England. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we just last weekend we were up in New England for the livestock camping festival, which was a whole lot of fun. It's sort of a long running. Uh, festival done by our friend Justin. And that was a super fun time, even though, you know, typical New England kind of weather kicked in and it was pretty rainy and cold and stuff. But, you know, like, you know, we're, we're hardy people, New Englanders, obviously. So that didn't stop, you know, a bunch of people from coming out and having a great fucking time with us. So that was awesome. Uh, I'm still out in Boston at the moment, and um, Caden and the other guys are back in Vegas right now. I'm on the Cape, so I'm on the. Oh, on the nice! Yeah. What part? Uh, a little town called Sandwich. I don't know if you remember that. Okay, yeah, of course I know Sandwich. All right. yeah, usually, I just say the Cape because usually, uh, unless you're from the area, people are like, "What the hell is that? Is that something you made <laughs> up or something?" Oh, no, we're familiar. In fact, um, one of the Sorrow Seed music videos was filmed in Yarmouth. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, um, the video for Ocean Scorn. So I kind of had the concept for this video. Um, this this was, uh, I don't know, probably about seven or eight years ago now that we did this video. But at the time, I had uh, I'd been traveling. I love to travel abroad, and I have this obsession with black sand beaches. So, uh, so I found a couple out in Iceland and I filmed some footage and I was like, I really want to use this for a music video at some point. And then, uh, years later when we started, um, thinking about what song we could do for a music video, I was like, Oh, if we do ocean scorn, I have some footage I could use for this. And then I had the idea of sort of juxtaposing it with sort of like a, like close to like sort of a white sand beach sort of thing. And I'm wearing this like white dress in it looking all like, you know, haunting sea witch kind of vibes. And uh, so, yeah, we juxtapose those two, uh, those two kind of uh, extremes together and turned out pretty cool. Yeah. So it's on YouTube. Check it out guys. Yeah. So um, the, uh, is there a difference between the West coast and these coast uh, like uh, audiences when you're performing in front of them? uh well i mean yes and no when when you're performing in front of them um like in the moment i wouldn't 
necessarily say there's a huge difference. Um, I do think that in general, uh, my experience has been that West Coast crowds are a little more open to, you know, just like bands that they haven't heard before, whereas uh, a lot of East Coast crowds tend to kind of have this thing where like if they're seeing a band they've never heard of before, it's like, all right, impress me, you know? Yeah, very standoffish. Um, And West Coast crowds are, I think, a little more ready to just sort of enjoy the music that's in front of them um, without like kind of thinking too hard about it. Um, But unfortunately, it's uh, the the scenes themselves uh, are very different. And I think in general, the the scenes on the East coast are kind of stronger and tighter knit if for no other reason than the fact that like the cities are way closer together, you know, like out in California, you have to drive two hours to get from, you know, one major place to another. And so like, it's a lot of really kind of disconnected and small scenes that are kind of just in their own little bubble. Whereas on the East coast, there's a lot more overlap and a lot more people that are willing to like kind of, you know, go outside of their own little local area to go see shows and that sort of thing. What was the decision to, uh, to go to the West coast? Uh, I mean, it was uh, sort of a kind of a, just like half quality of life, cost of living, and also just like sick of the fucking East coast weather. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I can relate to that as I get older. You know, New England. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, Lilith mentioned the 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 livestock festival that we played just this past weekend. It was like classic New England bullshit. Three days, you know, in three days in a row before the festival, it was like ninety degrees, and then the day before the weekend started, it dropped thirty degrees, and it was fucking rainy and cold all weekend. Thirty for, degrees, for like let, thing, let so. that simmer for a second. Thirty degrees in one. Day. you know yeah. just in time for us to roll up in and play an outdoor festival so you know it's it's such it's it sucks so bad because we put so much work into you know our performances and we've planned our own tours you know during spring and fall and, and stuff like that we don't we're we're smart enough not to mess with winter but you know stupid enough to try to mess with, uh the spring and the fall because you you can you can spend weeks and months promoting shows but if you get some fucking weather bullshit you know some tropical storm rolls through or it starts snowing in march or something like that's it like you're no one's coming to that fucking show and you're probably not getting paid either so uh it's been real nice out on the west coast not having to worry about any of that there's almost it hardly even rains like yeah the weather at, is way so more consistent out here it's almost never going to be a situation where a show is going to get canceled because it was rained out or it was snowed out or something so that's yeah. been really nice even if the weather is not necessarily super nice at the time it's consistent and you usually know what it's going to do in advance and it's not just going to like change four times a day so yeah. that alone is nice yeah the last mm-hmm. time i was out there uh, last two times it rained and uh both times everyone out there i was in la and they were just like uh they went crazy because of the rain in la yeah. I, I <laughs> people don't really know how to respond to it out there because it's just it happens so infrequently especially like 
LA gets a fair amount of rain, especially this time of year in the spring, but Vegas, uh, for the most part, you know, it, it rains like under 30 days a year. So it's pretty nice. I have to say, like, we, we just kind of forget about the fact that rain even exists a lot of the time. So coming back here, it's like, Oh fuck, you know, it's been, uh, you know, we've, I, I've been here for a week now and it's rained and been cold and shitty and just gross, like almost every day since I've been back. And I'm just like pretty over it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's something uh, funny too. I was, th- cause I think most people just assume Boston's like open all night cause it's a big city, but oh, God, there's like no. nothing open like at no. all. At night. Dude, it's so crazy. Like one of the first times that I came to Boston, like I had only been there a few times at that point. I got off the bus at South Station at like 8.30 p.m. on a Saturday night, and it took me 45 minutes to find a single open restaurant that I could get some food at in the middle of downtown Boston at 9 p.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm up yeah. in Boston almost every uh, every weekend, and uh, a- after, like, there's a there'll be a handful of things open, but really after, like, 11 or 12 there's like nothing open besides like ihop i think it's the only thing yeah i mean even last call in some places in boston is like 12 30 and the the tea stops running yeah i've mentioned this that. before it, it's uh it almost encourages like drunk driving or something that they- exactly yeah that's what i've been saying for years it's like okay well especially you could at least run it later on the weekends like yeah. but you're just totally encouraging people to drive drunk by not giving the option so yeah i don't know Boston, uh, I've never, I've never been super, super into Boston as a city or just a place to live. Um, we lived in Providence for a while, and Providence was awesome. Like, if I were to come stuff back, open way you know, later in Providence, there's a lot of yeah, stuff going on. on yeah, that, there's, yeah. Uh, you know, they've got like insomnia cookies and like sub shops open till like 4 a.m. We had like a little bodega around the corner from where we were at. We were just on uh, Federal Hill. It was, it was super nice, and everyone there is so chill. Like so much more friendly and sort of tight knit than, um, than Bostonians. So we had a really good time when we were residing in Providence. Um, so if we were, if we were ever to come back, like, you know, I would, I would want to go back to prop like somewhere in Rhode Island. Rhode Island's great. So Boston, eh, pretty overrated. <laughs> yeah. We just, uh, my brother and I, there's, um, I forget the name of it now. I uh, wish I could remember it, but there's a new arcade there that opened in Providence recently. And the place is wild. They're not paying for anything, but seven bucks to get in, and then you can play all the old video games and pinball you want, all, wow. all the, to like two or something. And Dude, then that's um, cool. Wow, yeah, we're gonna have to seek this place out. Yeah, so really I'll have cool to place. grab the uh, the name of that place for you afterwards at some point. That's yeah, awesome. I highly recommend. I'm a big pinball guy, so I play a lot of pinball. So it's brief. Oh hell yeah, yeah. We um so uh. As a band, we've we've played at Magfest a couple of times, and it's this big, nerdy gaming festival with music and like eight bit DJs and stuff like that. And they've got this twenty four seven open arcade with all these free to play games, and their pinball selection is like pretty impressive. So we love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that have you cool. uh, have you ever been out here to Vegas? I uh, not since I was. Uh... It was like over 20 years ago. I was just say it was when I was 24, but people won't know what how long it was. But yeah, it was a long time ago. Well, because you know, out here in Vegas, we have the Pinball Hall of Fame. 
I did not know that actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's cool a really spot. cool place. It's just a huge building and it's got it's got this massive selection. There's like I think there's like 200 cabinets in there, just like massive selection of pinball games from, you know, like as far back as you can imagine. They've got games from like the 40s and 50s, like all the way up to like the really modern ones with all yeah, kinds of crazy that, effects. They make new pieces. ones too because they'd like the new Godzilla one and stuff. Yep. So it was cool. They had them separated. They the newer ones in one place and then like the, the classic ones in another place. And I guess they cycle them in nice. and out. Yeah. But yeah, so that's cool. So yeah, I'll, if you ever get the chance, Pinball Hall of Fame is pretty sick they've got some really really old cabinets there and yeah it's a fun place. fun place to visit mm-hmm. yeah i would definitely do that so what are some of your favorite venues to uh, perform at well speaking of providence our favorite place in new england to play is dusk like hands down uh mm-hmm. we just we always have a great time there good vibes um dusk is one of the only venues that we have sort of done business with that you know the people who are there are straight shooters. There's no bullshit. Like we always, you know, it's, it's always a very positive experience. There's nothing shady or weird about it. Cause you know, some of the spots in Providence and some of the promoters down there can be a little uh, wishy-washy. I mean, I think that's probably true in most cities, but, uh, but yeah, so we love dusk. We love the vibes there. It's like nice little intimate venue. We also love playing at Ralph's uh, in Worcester. So Ralph's is probably like, our second favorite venue in new England. And, um, I don't know, as far as Vegas, we've played this place called dive bar a whole bunch. That was the first place we ever played on our, uh, one of our first tours, like way back when, and I don't know, it was like 2016 or something like that. And so we've got a little bit of a soft spot for dive bar, but, uh, another spot out in Vegas we really like is called artifice. It's it's a little bit similar to Dusk Vibes. It's got that like kind of gothic decor with the dark, you know, black chandeliers and the cool artwork and stuff like that. So um, there's also a backstage out here in Vegas, backstage bar and bill and billiards. Uh, mm-hmm. That was the venue where uh, the Apocalypse in the Desert Festival, which was at the end of this past March, took place. We played that festival, and that's a super cool venue. That one is a uh, it's a little bit bigger. It's sort of um, like like a mid-level venue, you know, bands that are like, you know, well-known and draw a crowd, but are not necessarily going to fill out like a giant theater or a stadium, you know, like Warbringer has played there. Allegiant has played there, you know, kind of like mid-level bands. Uh, 1349 that, so, was there too. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really cool venue for like, you know, slightly bigger acts that are not like huge. Um, we're, we're probably not quite big enough to like, you know, headline a show there ourselves but we got to play the festival that was there so that was a lot of fun yeah and uh another spot coming to mind uh, a couple of spots coming to mind brass mug in tampa love that venue shout outs to the brass mug they have a amazing stage lighting setup the staff is super cool very friendly and the uh the metalheads down in tampa are pretty legit and um also, another spot that we liked a whole lot over in uh, Portland was called the Lovecraft. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was uh, it was it was almost like sort of, I guess, their version of something like Dusk, only much more elaborate. Like, yeah. dude had a uh, had a fucking coffin in the green room and all kinds of just sort of like Lovecraftian references. And Lovecraft uh, in Portland, Oregon, is like the most bougie boutique dive bar you'll ever see in your life it's really fucking cool it's got like it's got the soul of a dive bar but it's really 
ornate and it's got like yeah it's got like you know horror movie masks and memorabilia all over the walls there's like pentagrams yeah it's fucking cool that was a lot of fun yeah, yeah I, I've seen some reference to Lovecraft in some of your music, so I mm-hmm. assume that's something you guys are into. Yep, so that was like totally on our vibe. We love that spot. That was a that was a good time. Also on the same tour that we uh, or was that the same one we played in, at the dive? Yeah, it was yeah. right. Same and time. also at, at Brass Mug. Yeah, I also got a got a shout out on the note of venues. I got a shout out Lucky Thirteen in Brooklyn, New York City is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Queens, and uh, I've played at Lucky 13 like dozens of times with both Sarah Seed and my other band. And that that place is always super solid. Just, you know, classic, classic uh, metal dive bar uh, with a stage in the back. You know, not a huge venue, but always good vibes. We always have a great time at Lucky's. We played there back yeah. in uh, back in March as part of our uh, like late winter tour. So mm-hmm. uh, you're from you're from I was going to say you're from New York. So how did the how did the band get together? How did you form? Yeah, so that is uh, it's it's actually a very kind of interesting and uh, you know serendipitous story, which was basically that when I was in college, uh, the first metal band that I was ever in, uh, I joined this band and I was in it from you know for a couple of years, and uh, so basically with this band, I ended up playing a show at this little honestly kind of shitty bar in Astoria, which is the neighborhood in Queens that I'm born and raised in, uh, called Gussie's. Uh, I ended up playing a show with this band, the first metal band I was ever in. And on this bill was a band called Sorrow Seed, which I'd never heard of. And another band called Spectral Voices, which is a local New York City band that I had heard of and that I already really liked. Um, so my my band played a show with both of these bands. I did watch Sorrow Seeds set that night, but I didn't end up talking to any of them afterwards. They were on tour at the time. Um, but I did end up talking to the guys in Spectral Voices, who was the, the New York City band, uh, local band. And so fast forward a couple of years, uh, I actually ended up joining Spectral Voices. I'm still in that band now. We did char- change our name a few years ago, so mm-hmm. we're called Solemn Vision now. But I ended up joining this band after having played this show sort of randomly with them. And then after I'd been in Solemn Vision for maybe like two years or three years, uh, a friend of ours who was a promoter uh, hit us up and said, hey, uh, this band Sorrow Seed from Boston is coming on tour. They're going to come through New York. I think you guys played with them a few years ago. Do you want to hop on this show that I'm putting together for them? And we said, absolutely sorrow seed was fucking sick let's do it and so uh i ended up playing with sorrow seed again as part of a different band this time uh and that night you know me and the other guys in in solemn vision ended up talking to lilith and some of the guys who were in sorrow seed at the time and we all just kind of hit it off and became friends pretty quickly and uh so we we stayed in touch and we're hanging out a whole bunch and then eventually uh seed decided they wanted to go on tour this was in 2017 and uh, hit us up about going on tour with them. So we started to get this whole thing in motion. And uh, what ended up happening is uh, kind of right before this tour or like, uh, like, yeah, it was like two months for some of them. And then like three weeks for others, like a bunch of the members of Sorrow Seed, former members of Sorrow Seed now uh, quit like, shortly before this tour was supposed to happen which was yeah. really uh, screwing us they uh, they all basically decided that they didn't want to be in a touring band at that point 
they were yeah. like, for whatever reasons, you know, some of them were too busy. Some of them just didn't like touring. So they basically were going to like leave me high and dry. Yeah, it was it was Lilith and it was Morte who used to be in the band, who was one of the founding members. They were the those two were the only ones left. And so uh, basically what we ended up doing in order to not cancel the tour was me and Anthony and Carlos, who are the bassist and drummer for my other band, Solemn Vision. We basically learned the entire Sara Seed set and we did double duty for that entire tour. So three of us from Solemn Vision played as members of Sara Seed for every single date on that tour. Um, and eventually when I ended up moving out of New York and moving up to Boston, it was like, it just sort of made sense for me to join Seed full time as well. Cause I already knew how to play all the music and there were openings in the band's lineup that needed to be filled. So it's just sort of a, you know, an interesting series of events where like the very first metal band I was ever in ended up playing a show with both of the bands that I would later go on to join years, you know, years in the future. Yeah. So needless to say, like we're all pretty tight. Um, we've, uh, we've definitely put together more shows together, uh, periodically, and we're hoping to plan another tour again sometime soon, possibly later this year. Uh, who writes the, uh, the mute, the music and who writes the lyrics? Or, I don't know, maybe the same person. Well, yeah. So the thing is, uh, pretty much all of the music that is out there on the internet for people to hear from Sorrow Seed. Smokey just pooped on me. That's cool. Um, <laughs> you know, so, I believe it's our first live pooping that. on the show. At least part as far the, as I know. I don't know. Part of the you know reality is of, uh, of having a pet bird. Crazy. <laughs> I could take over. A yeah, second. go. So, uh, so Morte wrote the first uh, three albums worth of stuff, and um, he. Uh, had actually approached me as the singer. The band had already formed, so Sorrow Seed was looking for a singer at the time. And so when I joined the band, the first two albums were already like completely written, which was kind of uh, kind of a cool sort of shortcut for me because um, it was like, hey, these songs are ready to go. We just need a vocalist, and I'm like, okay, I can do that. And so uh, that's exactly what we did. I jumped in, started recording right away, and shortly thereafter, we started playing shows. And then um, the third album, which is called Nemesis Engine, had room for contributions on it. So I wrote the lyrics for two of those songs and Caden wrote some solos on some of those songs. But when uh, when Morte was in the band, he really preferred uh, to have most of the creative control because it was his um, project to begin with. It was kind of his baby. So um, so we were all like cool with that. But now that we have a new uh, lineup, it's uh we're all going to be contributing in um, for the new stuff. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting circumstance we're in right now because pretty much all the music that's available to, for people to listen to by Sara Seed, that was all written by Morte, who's no longer in the band. Um, so it's a little bit strange because, you know, the music that we play at shows is all stuff that, like, largely speaking, we didn't write, you know? Um, and we've kind of... Uh, since it's really just, uh, you know, just me and Lilith, it's been just me and Lilith for a long time. And we're only recently starting to like, you know, jam with some new people to fill out the lineup. Um, so, you know, given that I am the only instrumentalist in the band and have been for a while, it's pretty much kind of just me who's been writing new music, but together Lilith and I have been 
sort of just trying to decide to decide like what direction we really want to take the sound in now because uh because like Lilith said before previously Morte was sort of the one who just wrote all the music because it was kind of his you know his creative project um but now that he's no longer in the band and he is you know given us his permission to like continue on and do whatever we want with it we sort of have the freedom to take it wherever we want to so we've kind of been trying to figure out exactly what direction we want to take the band musically at this point we do have a new keyboardist though and he's uh he's already added some really really cool like gothic sounding stuff to it so i think we're probably going to continue to go a little bit more in a like melodic symphonic sort of direction um it's been really really fun working with with him uh we haven't quite made a an announcement yet but uh he did play the uh, last festival in vegas with us and uh, we're about to go on tour with him when we um, resume the rest of our tour dates uh, starting next week. And um, he has sort of scouted out a, a drummer and another guitar player for us. So once we're done with the, the upcoming tour dates, uh, we're going to start jamming with these guys and we're pretty excited about it. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. uh, you know, the sound you guys are talking about, you know, you guys are get together, what kind of sound, but what kind of like uh, when you're writing, if you're going to write new lyrics, like, what kind of stuff would you draw from? Because I mentioned earlier, like, there's some Lovecraft stuff in there. There's, like, uh, some D&D stuff, like, liches and stuff. So I, I don't know. What, mm -hmm. like, what kind of, like, themes would you go for? Yeah, so we have, um, when, I've, when I've done writing for other projects uh, on my own, I do sometimes pull kind of, like, nerdy kind of stuff like yeah, that. I'm, a, I'm, um, I'm for it. Yeah, I'm an old school know, Dungeons & Dragons kid. I, uh, I played EverQuest for a really long time, so I have uh, some lyrical themes that sort of uh, draw from some EverQuest references. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the the nerdy side, but I also just like to draw from kind of, like, you know, the dark and morbid side as well. Like, uh, I have to kind of stop myself from just writing complete gore like a, a lot because I'm just like, okay, I could be, especially with um, the kind of lyrical content that Morte brought to the band. It's, it would be super weird to go from that sort of like eloquent style of fantasy writing into just like, I'm going to murder your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stab you a whole bunch of time. So, but that's that's always i've always written very you know aggressive kind of uh kind of music so i'm sort of yeah. trying to find a balance between um you know aggressive and uh, poetic <laughs> yeah morte's lyrics were very poetic and very verbose you know a uh, lot of you know he he had a really big desire to like tell stories with the songs he was writing you know um all the yeah. all three of the albums that we have out there to listen to those are the ones that he wrote and they're all concept albums every single one of them has a story yeah. to tell so he was really big on like you know using the lyrics to tell a story yeah he had like a, a central character on each album and so um i've sort of thought about having a central character just to kind of keep with the theme but i'm not really sure like um what i want the character to be yet so sort of just fleshing out what i what i or we want that to be um i'm really Kind of looking forward to having it be more of a group um process and have everybody can have some input because yeah. uh you know obviously like playing somebody else's music all the time like it it takes away a certain creative aspect to it and i think that's why in the past uh 
we had a lot of kind of um, people come and go from the band because they would join and be cool with it because we were playing shows and we had recorded albums and stuff, but then they would get kind of like uh, unhappy when they weren't really able to contribute like too much. So. Uh, John Kelly, uh, I have to ask, is that an, I'm not sure what this is, Umbrian onesie. It is. It is. I didn't think anyone was going to recognize that, but yep, sure is. <laughs> I don't know what Umbrian is. I feel like a uh, it's like a it's like one of the dark Pokemon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I I'm a kind of a nerdy guy, but I I've never played. Uh, I'm not against it. I just, I'm probably just too old when it came. You'll you you hang out with Lilith for long enough, and you'll eventually <laughs> discover that about forty uh, percent of her wardrobe is onesies. Yeah. Oh, well, no, the ones I'm cool with the onesie. Uh, I do like that. It's uh, she's talking about you're talking about writing about murdering your face and also wearing a Pokemon onesie. Oh, I, like, yeah, I, totally. I like the contrast. Yeah. <laughs> That's all about. Yeah. You mentioned touring and uh, you do have another tour coming up. Oh, you guys, um, the Kings of Metal West Coast tour. Mm hmm. Yep, that's later this month. Super excited to, uh, we've never, we well, we have played in the Bay Area before, but it's been many years. So um, I don't think we've ever played uh, in either of the cities that we're, we're hitting in California this time. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, we did get the attention of someone who runs a, a booking agency as well, who is um, perhaps going to be attending one of those shows as well. So we're we're kind of like, you know, cautiously optimistic about this uh, potential partnership because I think it'll help elevate us a little bit more. We're really tired of booking our own tours. Um, we've done it DIY pretty much up until this point because, I don't know, there there is something gratifying about doing it all yourself and putting it together. And it can be fun, but there's just so many variables and when you put together a show on your own, like all the pieces kind of have to be there. And if like things happen, like, oh, suddenly the venue got changed or one of the locals dropped off or something like you're kind of screwed for that show. But when you have somebody, when you have a booking agent, like most likely they're going to only be booking from places that are like solid in with other groups that are solid. So um, we're ready to kind of... Uh, you know, everyone that. only has so much energy and stuff. So if you could focus that on your actual music and everything, that's just one less thing you'd have to, you know. Exactly. About. We're musicians. We're not booking agents. One of my least favorite things is, is like negotiating, you know, with these venues, like our guarantees and our riders and stuff like that. Expectations. Like, I don't want to be that that person. Like, I just want to like come and fucking perform and play music and like bring bring uh the vibe and the energy to people i don't i don't like the business side of things too much and i think in the past we were we were also kind of just trying to be a little bit frugal with it to uh to save some money right. you know when you when you book your own shows you're you're not having to pay anybody to to book the show for you and stuff like that but i think we're at the point now where we're just we've done it enough times we're we're done with that we want to um we're happy to pay somebody a cut of whatever because they're probably going to make sure that we get higher guarantees anyway so yeah because it only benefits them too so yeah, yeah so we're we're looking forward to hopefully sort of uh crossing that bridge pretty soon and uh yeah the 
You're a Pokemon nerd. Nice. nice dude. Yeah. <laughs> Who I, are your I, favorites? I grew up playing playing Pokemon. I think right. Pokemon Yellow version was probably, if not the first, certainly one of the first video games I ever played at like age six. Uh, yeah, doing doing the whole DIY tour booking thing fucking sucks, man. It's so much work. Uh, and like if you're just doing a little kind of like weekend run where you're playing like three or four shows, it's like that's manageable. But if you ever want to tour at like a real professional level, like you can't do it DIY. It's way too much work when you're trying to manage, you know, being an active member of the band and like all this other stuff. It's it's an incredible amount of work. Yeah. Plus, you got to clean up bird poop off your shoulder. Dude, so much. So much bird poop. <laughs> they poop so much. <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, good road stories, actually, while you're traveling? Not so much flying, I guess. There's not too much road stories in flying. but Road stories. Well, immediately the first one that comes to mind for me that's uh or bad road stories, I guess. Yeah, I mean I think a lot of them a lot of them sit somewhere in between to be honest cuz tour tour life is uh I mean uh, tour life is you go back and forth between like it's awesome, god it fucking sucks. I'm so tired all the time. I can't wait to go home. And then you play and it's like this is so sick. Like I wish I could do this forever. Well, and if then you the wake up the next good. morning and you if, know, if like, people are at the show. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you have duds and it's sometimes. like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? This sucks. Yeah. And then you play a sick show and it's like, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, it's, <laughs> it's always back and forth. So the, yeah, the road stories frequently sit somewhere in between. The first one that came to mind for me was uh, when we were on tour in 2017. This was when Saraseed and Solemn Vision were on tour together. Um, <laughs> we were, uh, we uh we almost died in florida because uh because an alligator ran across the highway <laughs> okay. uh, and uh the enormous uh semi truck that was in front of us slammed its brakes because an alligator ran in front of it and uh if it wasn't for morte who was driving the van at the time uh who knows how that would have turned out because he uh he had fast reactions and he swerved us into the into the breakdown lane to avoid rear-ending this enormous truck. We certainly would have lost that collision battle. Uh, so that was that was cool. That happened. That's not the word I would use to describe. Yeah, no, it wasn't cool at all. It was fucking terrible. That yeah. So that's that's the first thing that came to my mind. For yeah. Reason. Um, I th I think this one isn't like road specific, but you know going back to talking about the Lovecraft from earlier, like that was definitely one of the most fun shows we've ever played because, uh, so we played there on like a Friday or Saturday or something. And they had, it was an early show. It was only from like 8 PM to 10 30 or something like that. It was just the two of our bands and one local opener. And it was so much fun because, right after that they opened up their goth night they had their like goth industrial night directly after the live show so obviously we were we were all welcome there and um we just had this like wild night we got see we all got super fucked up it also happened to fall on the night of uh mauricio who's the other guitar player in solemn vision his it was it was his birthday that night so we were celebrating and this dude so many people came out for this goth night it was fucking packed yeah uh, and 
yeah. yeah, that was we just we just partied till they kicked everyone out. <laughs> yeah, and we we got into a whole bunch of trouble. I remember like you there know, were Aaron quite a singer near a near band who was single at the time was like trying to hook up with this girl, and then I don't know, wasn't there like a like a gay dude trying to hook up with him too or something like that? And like I don't know, there was some kind of like. Morte was having uh, quite a lot of fun with, uh, oh, with, that's with multiple right. multiple guys that night. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He had a great time. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were just we <laughs> we ended up kind of like inadvertently sort of trashing the green green room a little bit. We tried to clean it up afterwards, but uh, yeah, it was no, we we were not trying to be like rock star divas. We were just <laughs> yeah. having you know we were, we were having fun, time. and then all yeah. of a sudden it was like oh shit, we kind of made a mess. Let's uh, <laughs> let's fix this. So we were respectful, but yeah, we made a lot of uh, kind of friends that night, and uh, a lot of, that, lot of shenanigans. Yeah, there was there was a lot of shenanigans. We were like goth. We were all on the floor like goth dancing at some point. <laughs> it was like it was so much fucking fun. Yeah, yeah. good time. Yeah. Um, I I don't know about because I'm not in the side of uh the of the music world, but um, or was it is it always accepting uh, a female led uh, death metal band? Have you ever come uh, to anybody who's like, you know, that doesn't belong or any problems with that? No, I mean, like, I think it's becoming fairly common these days, actually. And uh, the only kind of shit that I've had to deal with is just like getting hit on constantly. Like, I would beg the guys in the in the old lineup to come with me to the merch table afterwards because, you know, they're all busy like loading out and stuff like that. I'm like, I will, I will trade places with you happily. I will help you guys load out if one of you will go to the merch table because, like, it was, it was just super creepy. I get hit on by by dudes. I get hit on by chicks, and I'm just like, I am not here for this at all. Like, I'm here to perform and like play fucking music. Um, so I used to purposely dress really kind of agender. I wouldn't wear anything showing cleavage or anything like that. And I would do my makeup like really scary and fucked up looking or maybe just have blood all over my face or something. Cause I'm like, I don't want to look sexy. I don't want you to be attracted to me. I'd rather you be scared of me and fucking leave me alone, you know? So um, I would say that's probably one of the shittier parts about being a female in a band in general, like no matter if I'm the front woman or, or whatever, um, so, you know, it hasn't really, we haven't really been like had judgmental people or anything like that. It's yeah. just, it's just the vibe is cringy sometimes. Yeah. It's kind of funny when you ask, like, do you ever run into people who are like, don't accept it? It's really the opposite. Sometimes there are, you know, guys who are too into it, you know, <laughs> right, just like, right, you know, oh, it's, there's oh, like a whole kind of little, yeah, it's like this whole you know there's they a make lot of that just like that's the thing it's like it's yeah. a whole genre yeah. on it's like own. there's a lot of dudes who are like i'm really into female fronted metal which like you know nowadays i've taken to going like it's a oh, weird thing oh, to even I'm say it's like it should be like i i like the band because i like the band yeah you know? yeah, yeah. It, i think it's honestly i think it's pretty cringy when people say i love female fronted metal because it's like that doesn't mean anything if i ask you what does your band sound like and you say we're female fronted metal that means absolutely nothing like it doesn't tell me a yeah it doesn't thing. mean it's good or bad it just it, it, i don't it, even yeah. know what it sounds like you know <laughs> you could you could sound like 
fucking Evanescence or you could sound like Cannibal Corpse. I have no idea. You know, yeah, like yeah. Right. I only like music sung by bald guys. Or yeah, exactly. No, literally. Yeah, like nowadays, really? I've I've gotten to the point where if people, you know, if if people tell me, oh, I love female fronted metal, I go, oh, that's cool. I love male fronted metal. <laughs> <laughs> so I can watch their brains split in half as they realize like how dumb this conversation is. Yeah, it's, there's definitely this whole just sort of like cross section of, I don't know, maybe incel dudes. I, I don't really know, but or just like, like mostly harmless but socially awkward. Right, they might be meaning well, guys, just, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. and yeah, they're yeah. just they come out to all of these. No matter what the music sounds like, if there's a if there's a girl singer, they're there. That's their fucking jam. Yeah. And so, that's not that's all not this like is a great. Say. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's not like doesn't make you feel good either if they just like any everyone who happens to be a female singer. Yeah, I'm just like yeah. that's I don't that's why I'm like listen to my voice. Um, for a long time I didn't even like singing like clean vocals because I didn't even want anyone focusing on the fact that there was a female voice at all. I'm just like listen listen to my fucking like you know my gutturals and listen to the heavy music and like don't even think about the fact that I'm a female just like you know but now I'm kind of like I've sort of come around a little bit to the idea that like yes it's a marketable thing and it would be better like I wouldn't say I play into it like I still don't I don't like dress you know like all fucking vamped up on stage I mean you know if people want to do that cool that's not my thing i don't feel that i need to do that or want to do that but i have come around to the idea of uh you know like if somebody approaches us and they're like hey we're putting on this female fronted metal show or festival or tour like it would be foolish to say no just because that's a missed opportunity so you know over time we've become a little bit more open to at least not hating being lumped into that genre but yeah also would be genre all this is to say as well if there's anybody listening to this who's a dude that like you know is like i like female fronted metal and you're feeling attacked by this conversation like it's okay like i'm not saying that you're like automatically a creep for feeling that way right, just right. don't be fucking weird about it that's all you know like don't don't be a fucking weirdo about it and like you know come up to the singer after the show and be like, yeah, it's so cool to see girls in metal as if it's this like novel thing nowadays. Cause it's not, it's, it's just like, not. <laughs> and also, I don't know, maybe try to like, just think about the music. for yeah, what just say, is, Hey, I like that. I like that song. Or, 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 right. Or, yeah. like, think why... about, maybe just listen to the music for what it is and try yeah. and think about that a little bit. You know, why, why bring gender into music? It's music. It's something you listen to like gender shouldn't, come into play i feel yeah. i i mean i do understand that some people like female vocalists like right you know, they like might the, the just the sound the the voice sonically you know i don't necessarily mean like like that because it's like okay if you like female fronted symphonic metal that makes a lot of more sense to say because a female voice sounds a certain way when when singing that style of music. So, like, you know, I do know people that that only listen to metal that have pretty female vocals on it, and like that's not that's not really what we mean at all, you know. Yeah. So, like, I can I can respect that, but um, 
But, you know, you know, on the other side of this whole spectrum is like one of my favorite death metal bands is a, another band originally from Boston called Abnormality. They're not together anymore. They're vocalists. Uh, uh, when, when the band was together, she's a woman. And the first time I listened to them, I just assumed it was a man because she's doing super deep guttural death metal vocals. And most people who were doing that style are right. guys. So I assumed I was listening to a guy. And then, you know, I look up the band to find their music and I see pictures of them. I'm like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. so like. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. really matter unless it's a very specific sound like you were talking about, like the, you know, female soprano. Yeah, that's a sound you prefer, thing, right? you know, yeah. like mm -hmm. unless it's a really specific sound, it doesn't doesn't fucking matter, man. Yeah. This might be a dumb question, actually, since you brought up like the guttural voice. Does that ever hurt your your uh, your vocal cords, your throat? Um, there there are times when we're on tour where if I'm doing it multiple days in a row, I do feel like a little bit of soreness sometimes, but that's kind of when you're on tour and you're doing something every single day, you're going to have some wear and tear, no matter what part of your body you're engaging. Like, uh, you know, um, Carlos has had, uh, has had sort of like a little bit of tendonitis issues on tour. So, um, it's sort of like, you know, your tour is going to fuck you up a little bit, um, no matter what you do. So there have been times like that. And some, there have been a couple of times when I've been sick, uh, where it, it actually, if you do gutturals when you're sick, like when you're hoarse, um, you can actually damage your vocal cords that way. So there's been a couple of times where I had to kind of step back and not really sing too much during the set. Luckily, the only time that happened, um, on one of our major tours was at a, um, a show that was like not super well attended. So it was okay that I wasn't really on stage too much and just sort of, I came on for a couple parts and then it was mostly an instrumental set after that. Um, so it, it does, uh, it is risky sometimes. And if you're doing it incorrectly, if you haven't kind of learned the right way to use your voice, you can fuck up your shit that way. But that's true of any type of singing. Um, it's not necessarily more or less dangerous per se, um, to do harsh vocals and, um, in terms of getting injured anyway, because there's, there's been plenty of operatic singers too, like, uh, that have had nodules for them and had to get them surgically removed and stuff like that. So when you're, yeah, when your instrument, yeah, happens yeah. in all kinds of genres, Adele has had like, Adele, yeah, I was going to mention because she was like belting her fucking head off when she was like 19 years old before she developed the right technique. You know? Right. I was going to bring up Adele. So it's it, when you're, when your body is, oops, sorry, when your body is your instrument, it's, uh, it gets complicated because you really have to, if you're tired, malnutrition, dehydrated in any type of way, if you're partying too much, you can put your body in a more vulnerable state to be damaged or be injured. And so it's kind of, you know, the only times I've ever felt, uh, you know, like, like I, went too hard have been times when it was kind of like, okay, I didn't get enough sleep that night. That night I, you know, I partied too hard the night before or like, oh, I feel cold coming on and I went out and sang anyway. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a unfortunate occupational hazard of the job. It's like if, if I were a guitar player or anything else, it wouldn't matter if I had the fucking flu or was like, vomiting my brains out or something i could still get up there and play just you know keep a bucket nearby or something right but when you're a singer you can't that's a new gimmick for the band. oh man okay you just reminded me of this isn't really a road story it's just a it's just a show story but uh i remember one time 
this was still when I was with that band, the first metal band I was ever in. I had been hanging out with some friends all night and we'd been drinking and I woke up feeling super hungover and we had to go play a show that day. So I went to the venue and I'm feeling like total fucking ass, just hungover as shit, super nauseous. And we're on stage getting ready and I'm like, and so I go to like one of the bartenders or whatever and I'm like, bro, do you have like a bucket or a trash can or something? Cause I'm super hungover and I don't want to vomit all over your stage if I need to, if I need to vomit. And he was like, Oh yeah, I, I got you, bro. I'll bring you a trash can. And I was like, all right, cool. So he brought a trash can and I was like, all right, fucking sick. It's like sitting there right by the side of the stage. I'm like, cool. I'm all covered. And then like right before we start playing, like our singer is like introducing the first song. Somebody else who works at the venue comes by and sees the trash can and is like, what's this doing here? And like takes it away. And I was like, no, Oh. I need this, but you know we were already starting, so I had to just uh, I had to just power through it. Fortunately, I didn't end up throwing up on stage. <laughs> it would have been very memorable. But yeah, so, I've seen like it happen, hat, man. By the way, I've seen that? I like your hat, by the way. It's oh, thank hat. you. Yeah, I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all weirdos here. Yeah. Um, oh, Lilith. Now you've done some acting, or quite a bit of acting, I guess. Um, is that something you enjoy doing? You like to do more of? Or? Yeah, actually. So for me, acting is also like being on stage. It's a place where I can perform and be really over the top and really deliver a lot of emotion um, or just be dark and sinister and creepy. I always, uh, you know, I, I kind of try out for roles that are usually in the horror genre um, because that's just kind of where I fit, right? Where my skills are at. So I love acting. Um, I actually, um, I just read for uh, for a, a film that's casting in New England currently. Um, so I'm not sure. I guess they had a lot of uh, they had a lot of applicants. So I'm not really holding my breath on that one. But um, I'm hopefully going to be sort of um, a friend of mine out in Vegas knows a really good talent agent out there. So I'm hopefully going to be making connections with this person and getting back into acting a little bit, because one thing that new England definitely has going for it is they do have like a pretty decent kind of indie horror scene. Yeah. And that's something that Vegas does not have like whatsoever. Um, the scenes in Vegas are kind of sparse, I guess, for lack of a better, better word. The music scene is kind of like that too. So since we relocated, it's been a little bit tricky to kind of navigate um, the same avenues that I was uh, pursuing when I was living in New England full time. Um, but I'm, I'm slowly kind of making my way back over there. And uh, I, I hope that it, it works out because I do, I do miss acting a lot. And I've sort of had daydreams about just going more fully into that and um i think it would be really fun but yeah hopefully hopefully i'll get to be involved in in some more projects soon before the yeah. end of the year yeah i know some uh, from doing the show um some people who live in uh vegas who work on independent films but it's usually like they live in vegas but then they go to la to do you know to actually do the film yeah that's kind of i was looking at stuff like that too in la it's it's tough because everything's just so oversaturated there's so much competition so that's why i haven't really gone super hard with pursuing stuff in la um yeah, so yeah most of the people i know they kind of 
I would say clicks, but you know, it's people that they like. And so they work together. So there's exactly. like groups of people. Yeah. Know. That is something that, you know, I don't know if it's like that just kind of everywhere, but I do remember that about the new England acting scenes. Very, very clicky people, mm-hmm. you know, the producers, some of them will argue of... with each other. And yeah. Which I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of drama involved. Uh, you know, several of the directors I've worked with in the past, like no longer get along with each other. Um, and so there's all these little factions and sides. I'm like, oh, look, I'm a free agent. I don't give a fuck about your drama. I just want to like, you know, come fucking do this shit. So, uh, but yeah, people do tend to like just stick with their favorites. So, and uh, you know, it's yeah. it I'm it's it's probably people. some people. I well, I know for a fact that some people we both know. But uh, but no, it's like people I met on uh, once. I the first set I was at, I wasn't in the mood. Just on there, and then like. Like a couple years later, they all hate each other, and uh, yeah. I don't know. But yep, hundred percent. Yeah, and I, so. I shared because I used a picture of one of the for a banner for an interview, and then this other person was mad because like it's from their movie, but but this person's in the. Ba- I was like, I don't understand why it matters, but I just thought it was good publicity for everybody involved. Right, you don't like necessarily keep track of who hates who yeah, now and stuff I don't know. like that, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned the video uh, with the black sand. Um, any plans for uh, any new uh, music videos coming up? Yeah, we've been talking about uh, talking about the idea of putting something new together. It has been a while. Um, we're sort of like kicking around ideas for if we want to do it with uh, any of the kind of older songs or we want to wait until we have some new stuff together. Like there's pros and cons to each situation. Cause obviously if we're going to make a music video for a new song, we have to wait until it's, you know, written, recorded, mastered, produced and all of that. And that could, that could take a while. You know, we don't like to rush things. We like things to be right. And before we put them out, not have to go back and like tweak anything or, be like, oh, you know, when when we li- go back and listen to it, we don't want to hear any like, oh, I wish I'd just done that a little different or, oh, I wish the mixing was better there. We want we want to make sure we're happy with it. So uh, I've always kind of I've always kind of toyed with the idea of making a music video for our song Divine Submission, which is a kinky fetish song. And I think it would be definitely like pretty marketable but i would i would need it for to to kind of do it the way i'm thinking of like we would need a probably decent sized budget for it so so i don't know um in the meantime though uh because we know we haven't released any video stuff or anything really uh much at all since we moved but we did uh put a live recording up uh from lucky 13 actually on our last little winter tour there um of the children of Bodom song hate me and we're big children of Bodom fans and we've been wanting to do a tribute to alexi for a long time and so um we uh it, it just so happened that we had a couple people in the audience for that show that brought cameras and stuff so we we grabbed their footage and uh Kaden did the video editing for it put it together really nicely and um we released that just uh just about a month ago so um yeah, I'd feel check free it out. to check it out. Check it yeah. out on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I did. I'll, and I'll uh, I'll link it on the on the website so people can check it out. 
Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we've gotten we've gotten some really good feedback and responses about it. So that makes us happy. You know, when the when the fans of the original music like, you know, like it, yeah. we take that as a, you know, good compliment. So we're happy that other people enjoyed it. But at the same time, we were going to do it regardless whether anyone fucking liked it or not, because it was something that we wanted <laughs> right. to do. That's, so honestly, the fact I think that that's the best like advice. It, yeah. Yeah. For anything, if you, if you enjoy whatever you're doing, um, you're going to like doing it, but, and then it's just a benefit, uh, a bonus of people also like precisely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I really, I strongly believe that if you're an artist, you really have to be creating for yourself first. You know, it's like, you're, you're going to end up just, or you just be very bitter. I think. Yeah. You're going to end up disappointed and bitter and stressed out. If you're creating with the intent of trying to please your audience, you know, you got to make shit that you're interested in making before anything else. And where can people find all this? Uh, I think you can just put in Sorrow Seed and you're probably going to yeah, find it. Yeah, if you just put in sorrowseed.com, that links to all of our socials. We are on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, if you'd like to support the band, you can go to Bandcamp. It is uh, sorrowseed.bandcamp.com. That's also just linked from sorrowseed.com. We have a mailing list on there where we like kind of uh, you know announce our tours and show dates and anything new happening so that's kind of the portal just go to sorrowseed.com and yeah we have merch for sale we got t-shirts and copies of all three of our albums and some other fun stuff so uh come and check it out and if you're into it and you want to support Bandcamp's a great way to do it um periodically Bandcamp also does what they call Bandcamp Fridays where they waive the service fee for artists and we get a hundred percent of oh, whatever is uh, spent. So those yeah. are uh, good times to watch out for, for us or any other bands that you're trying to support Bandcamp Friday, go on a little shopping spree. Yeah. And- if you're, if you're trying to support an independent band and they're on Bandcamp, that's where you should go. Cause Bandcamp uh, without question always gives the artist the highest percentage of whatever you spend. Well, that's so that's the best then. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I was just going to say that, like, you know, we, you know, on a couple of places, our username is not always just like at Sarseed. Sometimes it's like Sarseed official or whatever. But like, we're fortunate enough to have a fairly unique band name. So if you just look up Sarseed, we're pretty easy to find everywhere. Yeah. 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 Usually when I start even asking people, where can they find you? It's almost like you can just Google them and you're going to find everybody. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when it comes to metal bands, every once in a while, you come across a name that's like, you know, eternal death it's like okay man no one's ever gonna fucking find your shit on Google. Like, good luck but you know sorrow seed is a is a that's, fairly, a, that's uh, a good little advice for anybody out there you know think of a, an original not just original name but something that's gonna be uh easy uh, to find to in you. google yeah yeah uh, smoky was... agrees i heard smoky yeah, i think she's hungry now she's starting to make noise oh okay. perfect time you know it's been a really fun uh time talking to both of you yeah this was awesome thank you so much for having us we had a great time yeah and come back anytime when you got something new come out we'll do it or send me some info and I'll, I'll post it somewhere but it'd be cool yeah oh, when the cool. get the new music out we'll absolutely yeah, yeah dude love, love to. to come back whenever yeah, and hopefully we can get everybody at that time. We'll yeah, all be yeah, my other place. two co-hosts couldn't be here either, so everyone will be here next time. Okay, yeah, ideally at that point we'll have a full lineup and everybody can talk. Yeah. All right. Sounds Yay! Good. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. Thank we you. had a great time. Yeah. Looking forward to chatting again soon. Definitely. 
Now this Thanks is going to be this is going to be a little confusing because Sour Seed was uh, the music of the month in May, and so right now it's Timothy Fife. So I'm actually going to play a song from Timothy Fife, even though we just interviewed Sour Seed. So <laughs> that's very odd. They're very different music, but you can all the all the all the shows you listened to last month were uh, had all kinds of Sour Seed uh, tracks. On it. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to play that right. here as soon as I find Thanks, it. man. Right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks Bye. so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks Bye. for listening and watching. <laughs>